Hello, and welcome to Kickout 299. I'm Rachel. My pronouns are they, them. And if you thought our New Japan Factions episode was a big one, just you wait. And I'm Alicia. My pronouns are she, her. Today, we are finally bringing you our long-awaited Noah Factions episode. We have been incredibly excited to talk about so many of these stables, as quite a few of them are personal favorites for both of us. Noah has a very unique history and booking style when it comes to their factions, and we hope that this episode inspires you to seek out matches from different eras of Noah and perhaps view these factions and matches in a different or new light. All right, let's get into it. quick disclosure that although this episode is not about Hajime Ohara, he will be minimally mentioned at the outskirts of the history of Noah's factions. We have to begin our episode by talking about one of my favorite factions ever, Jun Akiyama's Sternness. The seeds for what Sternness would become were sown before Noah was even officially formed. You may remember us talking about the formation of Burning in our All Japan Factions episode, but by March of 2000, Akiyama wasn't actually an active member of Burning anymore. After losing the World Heavyweight Tag Titles to Vader and Steve Williams, Akiyama left Burning because he had gotten as far as he could teaming with Kobashi. He goes on to form a team with Monakea Mossman and Makoto Hashi, which didn't really have an official name, but is sometimes referred to as Akiyama Goon. Akiyama began displaying this really aggressive behavior toward his former faction mates in Burning. There's this great tag match on June 9th, 2000 between Akiyama and Monakea Mossman and Kenta Kobashi and Kitaro Shiga, where Akiyama hit Shiga with an exploder suplex and then ragdoll Shiga back into his own corner in the most dismissive way possible. It's stunning. And poor Kobashi Shiga. himself, yes, poor Shiga, Kobashi oh. himself looks stunned and when he gets into the ring with june he wastes no time in lighting him up with chops for that transgression and this leads to a six-person tag match between akiyama goon and burning on june 9th in the nippon budokan with the condition that the losing team would need to disband akiyama goon wins this match and so burning has to dissolve and yoshinobu kanamaru actually betrays kobashi at the end of that match and defects to akiyama goon but not long after, and I'm, and I'm talking literally four shows before, the 2000 roster split happens. And we saw what the parts from All Japan with the majority of that roster, leaving only Toshiaki Kawada, Masanobu Fuchi, and several foreign wrestlers, including Mossman. So effectively, Akiyama Goon is dissolved as well. Now, Noah was formed on June 16th, 2000, and they held their first two shows back to back on August 5th and August 6th at different Ariake in Tokyo. The main event of the very first show was a best two out of three falls match between Akira Tawe and Mitsuharu Misawa versus Kenta Kobashi and Jun Akiyama. This is a great match. There is something so special in going back and watching it today to hear all of their themes hit one after the other, and then the ring post just exploding with sparks. It gives you a feeling unlike any other. But there are two things that happened in this match that were really just shocking at the time. Almost immediately, Akiyama submitted Misawa for the first pinfall. Misawa takes a while to come to, and this was a big deal. 
To give you some context, in their singles matches in All Japan prior to this tag, Misawa had beaten Akiyama 10 times. They had gone to a draw twice, and Jun had only earned his first singles win over Misawa on February 27, 2000. Misawa was still very much the guy to beat for people like Akiyama and even Kobashi. So this very definitive submission, even in a tag, really sent a message. Kobashi and Akiyama win the match after Akiyama pins Tawe to secure their second pinfall. But then afterward, Akiyama hits Kobashi with his exploder suplex and storms off. There will be no reformation of burning between Akiyama and Kobashi under Noah. Noah's first big move as a new company was to begin to establish Akiyama as a top star, and there was no better and bigger way to do that than to have him submit Misawa and turn on Kobashi in the same night. The very next night, Akiyama and Kobashi had a main event singles match, and Akiyama submitted him there as well. So that really leads us to the true formation of sternness. Sternness is actually a nickname of Akiyama's meant to invoke his strict persona as a character and some of his own philosophy on wrestling. Akiyama was joined initially by Yoshinobu Kanamaru, Makoto Hashi, Kentaro Shiga, and Takeshi Morishima. They quickly aligned themselves with No Fear, Yoshihiro Takayama, and Takawa Mori. It very much becomes sternness and no fear versus Kobashi and the newly reformed Burning. We'll talk about version two of Burning in just a moment, but right away, you have this faction warfare breaking out between sternness and Burning. What interrupts the story right away is that Kobashi needs to get some surgeries on his elbow and both knees, and this puts him out for 13 months right at the very start of this promotion, more or less. Sternness ultimately feuded with the members of WAVE, which is Misawa and Ogawa's faction, and we will talk about them coming up as well. Now, in 2001, Morishima left Sternness, and by April 2001, Morishima joined up with Takeshi Rikyo to form the tag team Wild 2. Akatoshi Saito was also working with them, but he wound up betraying them and joining Sternness instead. Akiyama became the second GHC heavyweight champion on July 27, 2001, when he defeated Mitsuharu Misawa in the Nippon Budokan. He held the belt for 254 days and then lost the belt in a really controversial fashion to Yoshinari Ogawa. We have spoken a great deal about the booking issues that affected people like Marafuji, <laughs> Kenta, Sugira, Rikio, and Morishima. But Akiyama was also hindered by similar issues in those early years of Noah. I just thought that was really interesting. It's not something you associate Akiyama with because you see him as such a huge star. Right, because we think a lot about the Power Five coming over from all Japan, right? We are very much a part of that, or sometimes we'll refer to him him as the unofficial fifth pillar, right, so to speak. But he was hindered by those booking problems as well that are, you know, a a big topic um, when we talk about the early years of Noah. And I'm going to refer to our second episode of Kick Out a lot called I Am Noah. But to learn more about that, definitely check out that episode. Oh, for sure. So Saito and Akiyama became a tag team and won the GHC heavyweight tag titles on September 23rd, 2002, and they held those titles under sternness for 256 days. 
And we also have an entire episode on Noah's GHC Openweight Hardcore Championship that I highly recommend you (laughs) listen to because I'm not going to go into much detail here about that belt, but I bring this belt up because it is part of the early sternness years. After losing the GHC heavyweight (laughs) title and the tag belts, Akiyama was looking to create his own GHC, so to speak, which is how we wound up with that magnificent Arrested Development-esque belt. It was so good when you uh, shared with me that little article of Akiyama stating that uh, he was going to make his own GHC. And I believe that the writer said, we don't know if this is literal or if this is just a figure of speech, but it turned out to be extremely literal. And he sure did that. So definitely check out that episode. And what's funny is that was actually like the official bios on the NOAA website that I pulled up on the Wayback Machine. (laughs) So it's hilarious that that was actually like Akiyama's profile on that website at the time. But yeah, there you go. A, A core piece of his personality. So in 2002, when Kobashi returned from his injuries, Kentaro Shiga left sternness and rejoined Kobashi in burning. Burning and sternness also resumed feuding with each other. Someone that is critical to talk about as part of sternness is Yoshinobu Kanemaru. All of Kanemaru's success in Noah up until he joined Disobey in 2008, which we will get to, came under sternness. And it cannot be understated the impact that Yoshinobu Kanemaru had on Noah and on building that junior heavyweight scene in those early years and how many of the wrestlers that people love today, he made all of those guys. And it comes through this period under sternness. Kanemaru is the inaugural GHC junior heavyweight champion and became champion four times during his time with sternness. He was also a IWGP junior heavyweight tag champion with Tsuyoshi Kakuchi of Burning in 2002. And he became a two-time GHC junior heavyweight tag champion with Takashi Sugira in 2005 and 2006. Sugira was never in sternness either. I will talk about this again as we get into Burning, but that's an important thing to keep in mind with these early NOAA factions. People often tag with others who are not in their factions. In 2004, Saito left Sternus to create the faction Dark Agents with Masao Inoue and Takashi Sugira in order to better himself. Also in 2004, Jun Izumita started asking to join Sternus. Akiyama refused him initially, but because he was so insistent about joining and passed the test, so to speak, in losing to Akiyama during a hardcore belt challenge on May 22nd, Jun ultimately relented and let him join. In 2005, Akiyama and Hashi challenged Marafuji and Minoru Suzuki, the reigning GHC heavyweight champions for the belts at Destiny on July 18th, but they lost. Atsushi Aoki debuted for Noah on December 24, 2005 and was Akiyama's valet. He became an official member of Sternus in 2006. And I will talk about this more with Burning as well, but 2006 is the year Kobashi discovered he had cancer and needed to take time off to have surgery and recover. As a result, Shuhei Taniguchi, a member of Burning, began working with Akiyama in Kobashi's absence, but he was never considered a member of Sternness either. And this is where we start to get into more examples of what I was talking about before, where we have a primary faction within NOAA, but the members work with other people. Akiyama began tagging with Takeshi Rikio in 2007, and they became GHG heavyweight tag champions on April 1st, holding the belts for 165 days. Rikio was never considered a member of Sternness, but he did break up his partnership with Akiyama in 2008 to form Disobey with Muhammad Yone. Kanemaru had also started a tag team with Kotaro Suzuki in 2008, and they both began working with Genba Hirianagi, which led to all three joining Disobey. There was no formal announcement Kanemaru was done with sternness. It was just accepted that he was no longer in the faction. 
This is where Sternus stops being used as a faction name for the remaining members like Akiyama, Hashi, and Aoki. Izumita had left Sternus in 2007, so he was no longer a member at this time anyway. By 2009, Sternus isn't being used at all on graphic cards for these guys. Even in 2011, when Akiyama and Saito started tagging together again, they didn't revive Sternus as a tag name. Their union in 2011 led to the formation of another Akiyama goon, which then led to Special Assault Team, which I'll talk about extensively coming up. There is merch from this time that says Special Assault Team and Sternus on it, but they're considered two totally separate things, with Sternus really becoming a special word associated with Akiyama that sums up his personal philosophy or ethos on wrestling. He did use it for his 30th anniversary shirt released by DDT this year as part of their Judgment merch drop. So my question for you, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more as we talk more about this era, is um, do you find it confusing to go back and watch and have all of these members working with people who aren't in their faction? Do you find it easier to understand when it's more insular or does it still hold up? as it were. I think it still holds up. And I think that's because thinking about this a lot, actually, when I was doing some of the research and reviewing a lot of this stuff, it's funny because it's never something I truly questioned until I was actually doing formal research for Noah for the faction stuff. I think because when you get introduced to Noah and you start watching this particular era of Noah, and especially when like, you know, you're watching people like Maru Ken, Maru wasn't really affiliated with the faction when Maru Ken started, but Kenta was still in Burning. But they didn't make Marufuji a part of Burning. But that's not something that you ever question for some reason. I don't know why that that just makes sense, but it does. And I think part of it is because at this time, especially at this point in Noah, it's not the factions that are driving storylines. It's more about what is happening with the individual wrestlers within their weight classes. That is what is driving the stories forward. So it's more important to be following what is going on within the juniors division and knowing that Maru Ken are the, you know, the champions on top during their reign with tag belts, right? That's more important in following than it is to understand, you know, that Kenta is also a part of burning. So whenever there's a multi-man, that includes some of the heavyweights and whatever, he's going to also be joining them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's, if that makes a ton of sense, but it's just never something I ever questioned. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's actually pretty critical to understanding sort of how a lot of the match structure is even in Noah today, where you'll see a lot of people tagging when they're not really unit affiliated, especially between the juniors and the heavies. So I think that's, that's definitely something that will, um, come into play later on down the episode. So now we're going to talk about burning. And again, if you need a refresher on how burning began in all Japan pro wrestling between Kobashi and Akiyama, please go back and listen to episode nine, where we cover all Japan factions. But with Akiyama moving away from Kobashi and burning entirely at the start of Noah, that left Kobashi in a position to start anew with version two of burning. The way I view the sort of big three factions that immediately formed in Noah, so I'm talking about Sternus, Burning 2.0, and Wave, which we'll talk about next, is that they were a continuation of how factions were booked in all Japan. They were essentially sumo staples, groups wrestlers could join and therefore be easily identifiable. But the factions, like I was just saying before, in and of themselves, weren't the most important part of the storylines occurring within Noah at the time, at least in my opinion. Already talked about Sternus forming, and how some of those younger wrestlers that were a part of the original burning 
had rebelled. They were no longer with Kobashi. So I'm talking about Kanemaru and Shiga. That leaves them out. So new burning began with Siyoshi Kakuchi, who was an All Japan wrestler and one of Kobashi's dojo classmates, a Super Generation Army stablemate, and one of his greatest tag partners. He had come over to Noah during the Exodus, so he aligned himself immediately with Kobashi and this reformed burning. Takeshi Rikio, who had often fought alongside Kobashi and received guidance from him, also aligned himself with his senior and burning. Kenta Kobayashi, Kobashi's valet at the time, also joined burning. These were the days before he was just going by Kenta. And they were going to operate under the same exact name, just use different wrestlers, because the important thing to understand about burning, and this is something that Dr. Jonathan Foy spoke beautifully to in episode nine in the interview portion, is that burning is Kobashi's ethos, his outlook on professional wrestling. Kobashi and his vision for pro wrestling could always remain at the heart of burning, regardless of who joined as his faction mates or who just happened to be aligning with him for any given match. And the first two iterations of burning, and I would also say the fourth as well, have this in common, but they have this theme of building the next generation. Burning version one, you had Shiga and Kanemaru, up in commerce at the time, whose induction into that new faction under Kobashi Nakayama truly changed the trajectory of their careers, particularly Kanemaru. And then in Burning 2, you had Rikio and Kenta, also up and comers. Rikio is a former sumo wrestler and was a priority for the company at the time. They were really looking to build him into a star. And then Kenta, who would have only been wrestling for about <laughs> a year when Noah had its first two shows, so truly at the infancy of his career. However, Burning ran into some really bad luck right away. Kobashi's body was deteriorating, and he needed to get five surgeries done on his right elbow Jeez. and both knees in early 2001. It was bad. He came back for one match in February 2002, but tore or ruptured his ACL and was out again until July 2002. This all resulted in him taking about 13 months off to heal, and there were rumors that he might retire. But because it's Kobashi, he did come back. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Rikio and Kenta wound up, and I love the wording of what I was reading online, so I'm going to use the phrase. They wound up in the custody, quote unquote, of Wave, which was Mitsuharu Misawa again in Yoshinari Ogawa's faction. I have never seen Rikio or Kenta considered official members of Wave, just affiliated because they did not have another group to join with Burning put on ice in Kobashi's absence. I think that speaks to sort of the flavor you were talking about, sort of the sumo stable um, flavor of um, stables at the time where you have the big star in his wards and now without the big star the wards have nowhere to go so they're sort of um, adopted in and given a babysitter for the time period and that's that's exactly what that sounds like in the custody of so oh for yeah. sure it's very much like all of the, the like those big three factions it's all about the main star or stars and then you have all of the younger up and coming guys surrounding them. And then when like the big star is out, someone else has to watch them for a while. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's just what the early style is. When Kobashi did return in 2002, Rikyo had already left Wave to form that tag team I was referring to before called Wild 2 with Takeshi Morishima and Kentaro Shiga left Sternus and rejoined Burning. Of course, Kenta also rejoined his senpai and they picked up where they left off. Burning and Sternus began to feud in earnest, which is what they would have been doing had poor Kobashi not had to take so much time off anyway. In 2003, Timon Honda, another All Japan wrestler who had come over during the Exodus, joined Burning. And then in 2004, Goshi Azaki debuted for Noah and joined Burning as well, another very formative experience for Shiyazaki. In 2005, Shuhei Taniguchi debuted and joined Burning as well. 
And then during the heyday of the second iteration of Burning, Kobashi and Honda became GHC heavyweight tag champions in June 2003. They held the belts for 177 days. Kobashi also had his prolific GHC heavyweight championship run during this time. He defeated Misawa in the Nippon Budokan on March 1st, 2003, bringing their rivalry to a close after many, many years. Kobashi would remain champion for 735 days. And on June 4th, 2006, Kobashi and Honda would become two-time GHC heavyweight tag champions with a 177-day reign that was actually cut short, but I will get to that momentarily. During this time period, the most successful person under Kobashi and Burning would have been Kenta, who truly carved out a name for himself and rose to the top of the junior division. Maru Ken became the inaugural GHC junior heavyweight champions on July 16, 2003, holding the belts for 690 days, a record they still have to this day. Kenta also became GHC junior heavyweight champion at Noah's Destiny event in the Tokyo Dome on July 18, 2005, holding the belt for 321 days. But in June 2006, Kobashi was diagnosed with kidney cancer and he took time off to get surgery and seek treatment. Kobashi and Timon Honda returned the GHC heavy tag belts. Kobashi was determined to return and he eventually did at the Nippon Budokan on December 2nd, 2007 in a match where he and Yoshihiro Takayama faced off against Misawa and Akiyama. But during the time Kobashi was recovering from his diagnosis, the remaining members of Burning would tag together, but they weren't necessarily actively promoting themselves as Burning. And then in September 2008, Kobashi would need to get emergency surgery on both of his arms and take time off to heal. He did make a full recovery and return to Noah once again in March 2009, but the remaining members of Burning stopped going under the Burning banner during the time Kobashi was sidelined, which effectively made the faction inactive. Something important to point out about how Burning, Sternus, and Wave functioned in the early years of Noah is that the members often tagged, like I was saying before, with other people outside of their respective factions, which is very different from the more modern booking of tag teams in Noah, where people work with the wrestlers within their units almost exclusively for the most part. When Kobashi returned in 2009, they would team up for one-off matches and call themselves Burning, but were no longer an active unit. There was a sort of hint or tease at a revival of Burning in Noah in 2012 when Go Shiyazaki was tagging with Simone Honda for the Global Tag League. Shio expressed interest in reforming Burning, starting with him and Honda. But at the end of Global Tag League, he wound up joining Akiyama's brand new Akiyama Goon or Special Assault team, which we are going to talk about in a few minutes. And nothing ever really came from this. Honda did not follow Shio, the Special Assault team, either. And of course, there's also final Burning in the Nippon Budokan, Kobashi's retirement show on May 11th, 2013. The main event of that show was Kobashi, Akiyama, Kensuke Sasaki, and Keiji Muto versus Kenta, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Go Shiyazaki, and Maybach Taniguchi. The latter team, all former and current members of Burning, as the faction had been revived in all Japan by Akiyama, Kanemaru, and Shiyazaki by that point. So if you're familiar with 90s All Japan, you'll know all about Untouchables, which was Mitsuharu Misawa and Yoshinari Ogawa's team. Wave, which officially formed in NOAA on October 11, 2000, was the successor unit to that team. And I'm just going to say that this is the date I found in my research, but I had trouble pinpointing the exact show and match because with early NOAA shows, the dates and cage match don't always align with the actual dates on the shows I have access to, but I do want to shout out Exploita on Twitter for his collection of NOAA tapes. Thank you very much. When WAVE was formed, the members were virtually the same as Untouchables. Misawa and Ogawa were the core leaders. Daisuke Ikeda and Naomichi Marafuji had been affiliated members of Untouchables, but joined WAVE proper. 
Masahiro Kakihara was in Untouchables, but only participated in NOAA for their first match on August 5th, 2000, before going back to All Japan, so he did not end up joining WAVE. As we've discussed with the second incarnation of Burning, they had to press pause on that faction in 2001, when Kobashi had to take time off to get surgery and heal from his injuries. So Misawa and Ogawa basically assumed custody of people like Kenta and Takeshi Rikio, who were a part of Burning. Rikio really benefited from this partnership with Wave and Misawa at this formative period of his career and stayed affiliated with Wave until he formed Wild 2 with Morishima. Keita also left Wave in 2001. Takuma Sano joined Noah as a freelancer in February 2001 and joined Wave soon after. And then Kotro Suzuki, Noah's first dojo graduate and Misawa's valet at the time, also joined in 2001, essentially from the day of his debut on December 24th. Wave did have early success with Misawa being the inaugural GHD heavyweight champion, which he won at the conclusion of a tournament in the finals against Yoshihiro Takayama on April 15, 2001 at Ariaki Coliseum. Ogawa and Misawa also became GHD heavyweight champions for the first time together on November 30th, 2001 at Hokkaido Sports Center. They were the second ever champions, defeating inaugural champions Scorpio and Vader. They held the belts for nine days before dropping them to Takao Amori and Yoshihiro Takayama of No Fear. Now, Michimaru Fuji had some of his earliest breakout success in NOAA under WAVE. He became the third GHD Junior Heavyweight Champion on December 9th, 2001 at Ariaki Coliseum and held the belt for 119 days. Surprisingly, in a lot of ways, this was his only run with that title. It was cut short due to his first major knee surgery that he sustained in a tag match, and he was forced to have surgery and take time off to fully heal during his second defense against Makoto Hashi when his knee couldn't take it anymore and his leg gave out on him. The biggest reason I wanted to talk about Wave in this episode is that along with Burning and Sternness, they are a great example of the style of faction that 70s, 80s, and 90s All Japan booked for the most part. An exception to that style of booking for Wave was an angle in 2002 when Misawa and Ogawa suddenly broke up their tag team and threatened to disband Wave. This winds up being a trick to distract GHD heavyweight champion and sternness leader Jun Akiyama. Eventually, Misawa and Ogawa got back together, and Ogawa was the one to end Akiyama's first GHD heavy reign on April 7th, 2002 at Ariaki Coliseum. So Wave comes to an end as a faction in 2003 when Marafuji decides that he wants to lead a new generation of wrestlers to surpass their seniors and push Noah forward. He leaves Wave and the faction is disbanded after that. However, as I mentioned, Ogawa and Misawa's partnership never ended all the way up through Misawa's passing in 2009. So the faction had served its purpose of more or less providing a space for that younger Noah talent to prosper and grow under their seniors, but that core partnership between Misawa and Ogawa continued on. Yeah, and that's what I was seeing um, in all these three factions was that they uh, really didn't specifically exist to elevate the younger generation they had you know their own stars doing their own things but uh the younger generation definitely seemed to benefit the most from these units wouldn't you say yeah they do they're they're very much launching pads for Mm -hmm. the younger crew and i think in in a lot of ways they are brands right i i don't know if i view wave as a brand so much for misawa but especially for sternness uh, mm-hmm. to Akiyama and then burning to Kobashi, those are brands. And then it, they really do serve as these launching pads for the younger guys to cut their teeth and make names for themselves and just ways for fans to easily identify them as they're coming up the ranks. So they do serve a purpose in that regard. Perfectly said. And now we're jumping ahead to easily the beginning of 
one of my favorite eras of Noah with Disobey, which began in 2009. On January 25th, 2009 in Corican Hall, Muhammad Yone had a match with his partner Takeshi Morishima versus Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli. Yone and Morishima won, but immediately following the match, Yone turned on Morishima and attacked him. Takeshi Rikio, who had been working with Junakiyama at that point, had indicated that they were no longer partners, and he joined Yone in beating up Morishima, who was also Rikio's former Wild 2 partner. After this beatdown, Yone and Rikio shook hands and declared this was the start of, quote-unquote, their way and a new partnership between them. Yone hinted that they would add new members as well to form a proper faction. This leads to another show in Corrigan on February 15th. To set the scene, there was a match between Muhammad Yone and Takeshi Rikio against Takeshi Morishima and Makoto Hashi. Before the bell could even ring, Yone and Rikio attacked Morishima and Hashi during their entrances, which would really set the tone for what Disobey would go on to become. Earlier on in that card, junior heavyweights Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Genba, and Kotaro Suzuki had lost to Naomichi Marafuji, Atsushi Aoki, and Akihito Ito. Kanemaru, Genba, and Kotaro had been teaming together since 2008 and were unmistakable heels. They cheated, they interfered in matches, and they were just generally really rough on their opponents. This is important to mention because Genba appears at ringside during the heavyweight match and grabs Morishima's ankles to trip him. Yone quickly overwhelms Hashi inside the ring, while Kotaro and Kanemaru join Rikio, who had been fighting Morishima on the outside after Genba pulled on Morishima's ankle. Kanemaru used a chair on Morishima, and they get him back inside the ring for Yone and Rikio to make an example of. The three juniors and the two heavyweights raised each other's arms, signaling that they had joined forces. Immediately, in case it wasn't obvious from my descriptions of the members and the events in those first two shows, Disobey became a heel faction in a fairly traditional sense. Cheating, running interference, just generally being awful to their opponents. On March 27th, there was a press conference held and the faction officially announced their name, Disobey. <laughs> to the point. It's very, that's like, that's the great thing about a lot of the faction names in this era is like, there's no hidden meaning at all <laughs> no, no need to explain no what's your name disobey what do you guys do well <laughs> through the first few months of being a faction they feuded with people like Takeshi Morishima of course Jun Akiyama Kensuke Sasaki because this was the time period in Noah where Diamond Ring was very active among others the junior members were very dominant in their division. Kanemaru and Kotaro were junior heavyweight tag champions, and that reign lasted 553 days, the second longest reign after Maruken. But the effectiveness of the faction was questioned when Yone and Rikio failed to be as successful as their junior counterparts. Something that also really affected the trajectory of Disobey was the heel activity that brought the group together sort of waning over time. This is particularly noticeable in Kanemaru and Kotaro, and through my reading, I found that the sudden change in their characters could be attributed to the passing of Mitsuharu Misawa on June 13, 2009. Misawa was Kotaro's mentor, and Kanemaru had been very close to Misawa as well, having come up through all Japan. For them, moving away from the heel style of fighting was a way to honor Misawa and carry on his way of fighting. The heavyweights not being successful in capturing titles and that sudden change in the ethos of the faction definitely left Disobey in a weird place in 2009, which, to be fair, became a terrible year for everyone in NOAA that cannot be understated. The lack of direction in Disobey became noticeable enough that Rikio and Yone were originally scheduled for a singles match on December 6, 2009 in the Nippon Budokan to essentially test their feelings about each other. 
if the results of the match didn't feel satisfactory, then disobey would disband. However, this match was changed when Kenta Kobashi and Akiyama needed to withdraw their challenge for the Jiyoshi Heavyweight Tag Championships being held by Kensuke Sasaki and Morishima because Akiyama had become ill and could not perform. Yone and Rikyo were given the opportunity to challenge instead and defeated Sasaki and Morishima. When you watch this match, the crowd is pretty lukewarm on this title Ooh. change. Kotaro, Kanemaru, and Genba come out to raise their arms with the new heavyweight tag champions. And as I mentioned before, Kotaro and Kanemaru are the junior heavyweight tag champions, but Kanemaru had also won the junior heavyweight title at the end of a tournament against Jushin Thunder Liger on October 30th for the fifth time, which is remarkable. This meant that on the night of December 6th, Disobey was holding both sets of tag gold and the junior heavyweight title. We've touched on the December 6, 2009 card before in episode two of Kickout. I am Noah. The main event is Goshi Ozaki versus Takashi Sugira. I can't say enough about this match or its importance to the very fabric of Noah. So go out of your way to watch that match and really the whole card. During a match on December 23, 2009, Kotaro injured his ACL and had to return the tag belts he held with Kanemaru. He would take time off to heal. A bit of interesting Noah New Japan crossover for you is that in early December 2009, Toki Makabe, who had recently formed Great Heel Bash or GBH, was demanding that a Noah wrestler fight him on New Japan's upcoming January 4th Tokyo Dome card. Yone was the one to answer his call. <laughs> he actually showed up at a New Japan event at least twice and attacked Makabe. Noah and New Japan originally scheduled a tag match between GBH and Disobey, but Makabe threatened to boycott the match if it wasn't changed to a singles. Uh, the promotions obliged, and Yone won their match in like six minutes. Let's go hardcore Yone. That's right. That brings us into 2010. Yoshihiro Takayama and Takuma Sano, who had begun tagging, were super critical of Yone and Rikio going into that year's global tag league. Takayama and Sano won and would eventually lose to the defending champions in a match on February 28th at the Budokan. Disobey would have one more defense against Big Murakami and Katsumi Usuda on March 26th before being defeated for the tag titles by Bison Smith and Keith Walker on April 14th in Osaka. After this, Rikio was set to challenge Togi Makabe for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship on June 19th, but he became sidelined by a sprained cervical vertebrae. Shio replaced him and lost to Makabe. Kotro came back in September 2010 and initially did rejoin Disobey. But during a match when Gemba was doing all of this cheating and then a misjudged kick from Kanemaru hit Kotaro instead of the intended target, Kotaro was fed up with all of it. <laughs> By September 23rd, he created a tag team with Yoshinari Ogawa, whom he had lots of history with, and started taking on Disobey. Rikio needed to take a lot of time off to heal for that injury, so Yoni needed to find another member. He nominated Go Shiyazaki because Shio was an up-and-comer from the new generation. The two began tagging together during the junior tag tournament that took place in October, and they did really well together on those cards. On October 30th in Korokin, Shio, Yone, and Sukira won a tag match against Takayama, Sano, and Masao Inoue. Afterward, Yone asked Shio if he would officially join Disobey and offered his hand. Kotaro and Ogawa appeared and told Shio not to do it. <laughs> Shio does shake Yone's hand, but then immediately hits him with a lariat, which takes Yone out. Shio joins Ogawa and Kotaro. Afterward, a really salty Yone told the press he had never been hit with such a pathetic lariat before. This became known in the press as the sorrowful lariat attack. <laughs> this is a detail that becomes important later. Oh my goodness. 
This leads to the remaining members of Disobey feuding with Shio, Ogawa, and Kotaro. On December 5th in the Budokan, Shio and Ogawa had a tag match with Yone and Genba. Genba at one point pulls out scissors and cuts some of Shio's hair off twice. <laughs> Shiozaki is so enraged when he finally starts teeing off on Yone in the corner that he is just throwing the ref literally across the ring. He refuses to stop chopping him. Ogawa tries to get him to stop and Shio chops him too. Genba is just doing heel shit all over the place. It's a wild little match. And then Shio gets himself and Ogawa disqualified. So Disobey walks away with the win. And then Shio chases Yone and Genba up the ramp. <laughs> the oh God. God. It's you amazing. Said this to me. It was just raw chaos. Like it's, <laughs> uh, it's just so funny. And it's so genuinely funny and genuinely chaotic it's just something that you don't really um expect from noah at this time and and it's actually a pretty common thing it's a pretty common tone that Mm -hmm. noah takes especially as you're describing this whole history of disobey but it's uh, not something that people i think fans today tightly associate with the promotion no and we're going to get into that as we head into no mercy actually that becomes really pivotal and there's also um Shiyazaki's temper that you get to see there that I think people don't really realize he has either but now you see so much of that in this era (laughs) yeah nowadays you see him as this cold conqueror but no there there is a uh, hot-blooded side to him for sure and uh, it's definitely worth seeking these out so now we've reached 2011 which becomes really important for one person in particular entering the story Kenta At the start of 2011, Kenta didn't really have a regular partner, but he started expressing a lot of interest in forming a tag team with Yoshinobu Kanemaru. At a show on January 23rd, Kanemaru tried to get Kenta to clarify that he really wanted to tag with him. (laughs) And while the two could be seen speaking, what they said to each other couldn't be heard. It was revealed later that certain conditions had been set, but nothing else was stated as to what that meant. In a match at Quarkin on January 29th, Kenta tagged with Shio and Ogawa against Yone, Genba, and Kanemaru. During the match, Kenta turned on his teammates and attacked them, causing a disqualification. He shook hands with Kanemaru and embraced him, Yone, and Genba. In the ring, he said, this is the beginning of a new disobedience. With that, he had officially joined Disobey. Backstage afterward, Kenta referenced those conditions again, but it still remained unclear what those were and what exactly he had agreed to. So it wasn't necessarily just joining the unit. I don't want to say too much. We'll okay. see. All, okay. Will, all will be revealed in time. Okay. No spoilers. <laughs> that brings us to a very infamous little day in Noah history, March 5th, 2011. This car took place at Ariaki Coliseum. Kensuke office, Kensuke Sasaki, Kento Miyahara, Satoshi Kajiwara, and Takashi Okita took on Disobey, Genba, Kenta, Muhammad Yone, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. During the match, Kenta attacked Yone with a chair, and then both Kanemaru and Kenta performed their signature moves on him. Genba announced that he, Kenta, and Kanemaru were done with Disobey, and they would form a new faction together. This faction would go on to be called No Mercy. The conditions that had been hinted about were revealed to be Yone being removed from the faction they would form together. This is because Yone was considered half-hearted and he no longer had the sort of image they wanted. This incident became known as the sorrowful chair attack in the media, calling back to and mocking the sorrowful Lariat attack. Perfect. 
Horione requested singles matches with Kenta, Genba, and Kanemaru, like grudge matches. The No Mercy guys fouled him, and Yone picked up victories as a result, but it didn't mean much to Kenta, Genba, or Kanemaru. After Kenta's singles match with Yone on March 27th, he declared he was done with his toy as he had taken to calling Yone. He said he had a new toy in mind, but didn't say who. On May 8th at Ariaki Coliseum, Yone had a three-on-one handicap match with the members of No Mercy by request. No Mercy won, and the feud was considered finished. Disobe became inactive after this match because Yone was the only member. On November 27th, Rikio made an appearance to announce his retirement. His injuries just weren't healing. And with that announcement, Disobe officially disbanded. So you're already up to speed on the sorrowful chair attack, and you know about the formation of No Mercy, my personal favorite faction in Noah history. Some other little details I want to share. We will talk about Congo later in this episode, whom you may already know as an anti-establishment faction within Noah. That was No Mercy's function in this era of Noah as well, explicitly so. In episode two of Kickout, when we are discussing Kenta's path of becoming Noah, we talk about how even though Kenta is set apart as the anti-hero with this anti-establishment, very heel-coded faction, Kenta never strays from the tenets of Misawaism, freedom, and faith. We'll talk about the sort of heel work No Mercy started with and how they transitioned into being less overtly heel-coded over time while still remaining anti-establishment. I'm going to pick back up with that detail about Kenta being done with Yone and mentioning he had a new toy in mind. That toy was none other than his fated rival, Naomichi Marafuji. Who else? (laughs) Exactly. This is where that anti-establishment aspect of No Mercy really begins to come into play. At the time, Marafuji held the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles, and Kenta wanted to take those belts with Kanemaru. But the other motivating factor for targeting Marafuji was that Kenta was unhappy with Noah's current management and was looking for there to be reform. Marafuji was and still is vice president of Noah. Marafuji is the perfect target for Kenta if he has grievances with the way Noah was being managed. Unfortunately, Marafuji would be injured during their program, need to take significant time off, and return the tag titles with Atsushi Aoki on April 16, 2011. Very annoyed that they had lost their next toy, No Mercy demanded that a match be held to determine new junior tag champions, and they would be in that match. This is where we see ANMU form, or Anti-No Mercy Union. I am going to talk about ANMU in depth in a few minutes, so I won't go into all the detail here, but Atsushi Aoki, Kotaro Suzuki, and Taiji Ishimori were the three founding members of ANMU and joined together because they wanted to stop the truly villainous shit that No Mercy were getting up to. This was absolutely, with the sort of history all three of those guys had with him, the Fuck You Kenta Club, and they were not going to let No Mercy take the tag belts. On April 29th at Quarkin, it was officially decided that Aoki and Kotaro would challenge Kenta and Kanemaru for the vacant belts. On April 29th, it was also decided that Yone would have a special handicap match against Kenta, Kanemaru, and Genba on May 8th at Ariaki Coliseum, which we talked about before. Kenta picked up the win for No Mercy in the end, and in his post-match, he again stated that the biggest reason he had created No Mercy was, quote-unquote, his dissatisfaction with Noah's management and his determination to reform Noah in order to change its current situation. He also criticized former GM Ryu Nakata, who was at ringside, demanding that he step down from management and declared war on Noah and GM Nakata. Yeah, I love how explicit 
he was. And um, you, you mentioned that earlier. Uh, that's not something I really knew about No Mercy was that they were so loudly and directly against the establishment of Noah um, to the point of sort of breaking that fourth wall and going in uh, against the general manager and things like that. And that's uh, very, very crucial to uh, look at, especially when we look at Congo later on. But uh, it's, it's just something very interesting to me. Absolutely. I think that, and you know, I've talked about this before, how many similarities there are that I think people don't necessarily pick up on between mm-hmm. Keno and Kenta, but the link between these two factions are definitely present in the way that Kenta at least started No Mercy, the being this overtly against the establishment of Noah, against the management of Noah. And being overtly heel as well, and then sort of breaking down from there um, while still maintaining that anti-establishment. We're going to get more and more into that, but that's uh, also a very important uh, link to examine. On May 25th at Corican Hall, No Mercy win the vacant GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles against Kotro Suzuki and Aoki of ANMU. And around June, Kenta began talking about recruiting heavyweights, and he mentioned being interested in people like Takeshi Morishima, Yoshihiro Takayama, and June Akiyama. I keep thinking about alternative universe No Mercy June, and it is a nice thought. Yeah. On June 26th, Kenta and Kanamaru had a tag match against Takayama and his partner Kakuma Sano in Corican. Takayama betrayed Sano by attacking him and then helped Kenta and Kanemaru take turns assaulting him, allowing No Mercy to take the win. Post-match, Takayama was formally asked to join No Mercy, with Kenta calling his inclusion a collaboration between No Mercy and Takayama's No Fear, which was his tag team with Takawa Mori. Gemba gave Takayama a No Mercy shirt, which Takayama put on. This match is on YouTube, and I highly recommend checking that out. In July, Kenta and Kanemaru entered the fifth Nitel G-Plus Cup Contest Junior Heavyweight Tag Team League, which we know today as the Global Junior Heavyweight Tag League, together and lost to ANMU, Aoki, and Kotaro. As a result, ANMU would be No Mercy's first tag defense on August 24th in Corrigan. No Mercy successfully defended their titles. Takayama and Kenta also competed in a two-day tag tournament on August 17th and 18th at Differ Ariaki defeating two ANMU teams, although one was more like ANMU adjacent to win. They defeated Kotaro and newest ANMU member Goshi Azaki, and also Atsushi Aoki and Takashi Sugira, the adjacent team, since Sugira was never an ANMU member. A few things happened to close out 2011. On October 10th, Kenta defeats Sugira and Differ Ariaki in a number one contenders match for the GHG Heavyweight Championship. It takes ANMU like two tries, but on October 16th in Corican, they defeat Kenta and Kanemaru for the junior tag belts. Incredible match. Seek this one out. Kenta participated in the 2011 Global League and finished at the top of his block. He met Morishima in the finals, but was defeated. Kenta received his title shot against reigning GHD heavyweight champion Goshi Azaki on November 27th in Ariaki Coliseum. Kenta was defeated, but this is an amazing match. It's probably one of my favorites. Please go watch it. It is on YouTube. Kenta injured his knee during that match and couldn't actually wrestle for a few months while he healed, but he did remain around as a manager for No Mercy, which becomes important. In this 2011 slash early 2012 period of time, Shiyazaki's tag partner was Shuhei Taniguchi, not a member of ANMU, just sort of affiliated because he was tagging with Shio. Shuhei decides he is done tagging with Shio, and they have a singles match on February 14th in Korokin to settle their differences, so to speak. Shuhei attacks Shio with a chair, forcing the DQ. 
Post-match, Shuhei announced he would join No Mercy, and Kenta gives him an NMC shirt. We are going to talk about this match more in depth when we get into Brave, but on that February 14th show, Shuhei interrupted a match between Takayama, Genba, and Kanemaru, and then Brave, Marafuji, Sugira, and Taiji. Shuhei joined No Mercy, and Muhammad Yone came out and joined Brave's side. Shuhei wound up taking the pin from Yone and losing the match for No Mercy. Afterward, Kenta told Shuhei off for losing the match and said, throw away everything you have been and be reborn, which is some incredibly intense language from Kenta uh, coming out as the leader of this faction. On February 25th at Korokin, Taniguchi becomes a masked wrestler called Maybach Taniguchi. Maybach's gimmick was that he didn't speak at all, so Kenta had to speak for him. This worked on two levels. Taniguchi needed a character refresh, and Kenta needed a job while his knee was healing, so he never lost momentum during this injury and was always seen as the face of No Mercy. On March 18th at Yokohama Bunka Gymnasium, JC Heavyweight Champion Takeshi Morishima defeated Namichi Marafuji. Post-match, Kenta made an appearance and announced that Maybach Taniguchi would be the next challenger. On May 9th in Korokin, Maybach got his title shot against Morishima, who was defeated. But on that same show, Kanemaru defeated GHC Junior Heavyweight Champion Katsuhiko Nakajima and became a six-time Junior Heavyweight Champion. This would be the last time he'd hold that title before leaving for All Japan. On July 22nd, Kenta returned to the ring with a singles match against Marafuji in Ryogoku Kogikan. All Maruken singles matches are important to their story with each other, and I could recommend them all for different reasons, but I do love this one, and it is on YouTube. Kenta loses the match. He's not down for long, though, because he goes on a streak of wins immediately after, and the scene at this time is very much No Mercy vs. Brave, or ANMU slash Special Assault Team, which we're going to talk about next. Kenta's return also marked his full-time change to heavyweight. For a long time, he straddled both worlds, but competed for the junior titles. Now he would be competing with the heavyweights full-time and continuing to pursue his goal of becoming GHC heavyweight champion. On September 29th in Korokin, Kanemaru did lose the GHC junior heavyweight title to Shuji Kondo after 143 days. But Kenta challenged Morishima, who still had the GHC heavy on September 17th at Bodymaker Coliseum in Osaka during Akiyama's 20th anniversary show, Morishima would retain once again. Up next for Kenta and Maybach was reclaiming the GHC heavyweight tag belts that had been taken to TNA by this point in 2012. On October 8th at Yokohama Bunka Gymnasium, Kenta and Maybach challenged Magnus and Samoa Joe, and No Mercy won. This was Kenta's first heavyweight title win. Kenta and Maybach would lose the belts in their first defense special assault team, Goshi Azaki and Akatoshi Saito, on October 26th at Nagata City Gymnasium. But this is where Destiny begins to catch up with Kenta. The 2012 Global League, or as we know it now, N1, begins that November. Kenta finished at the top of A block in order to face Takashi Sugira in the finals and won Global League on November 23rd, his first time winning that tournament. Now, I feel like we have mentioned this or talked about it several times at this point, but we've arrived at the point in time where Kenta Kobashi's contract is not renewed by Noah. And this results in Jun Akiyama, Goshi Azaki, Atsushi Aoki, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Kotaro Suzuki not renewing their contracts and then departing the promotion after December 24th for All Japan Pro Wrestling. It cannot be understated the effect this had on the promotion. Kanemaru had obviously taken leave with no mercy, and Special Assault Team was no longer a faction overnight. This exodus did bring to a close what I would consider some of the best, if not the very best period of tag wrestling and faction warfare in Noah's history. It would also have implications for the heavyweight scene, which becomes important as we head into Kenta's title challenge. 
But before we get to that incredible moment in Kenta's career and Noah history, on January 6th at Corican, a man in a mask identical to Maybach Taniguchi's appeared in the ring alongside him to interrupt a Genba versus Yone match. From this point, Maybach Taniguchi Jr., as he became known, wrestled in No Mercy matches. His identity was not disclosed at first, but we will get back to this. On January 27, 2013, at Bodymaker Coliseum in Osaka, Kenta finally defeated Takeshi Morishima and realized his dream of becoming GHC Heavyweight Champion. This was only the third time Kenta had ever defeated Morishima, and at that point, it was their ninth singles match, their first being in 2001, just to put that in perspective for you. Post-match, Kenta waved his takeover tag partner, Katsuyori Shibata, into the ring, and Shibata put Kenta on his shoulders, which has become something of an iconic photo. In February, Maybach Taniguchi betrayed Kenta and left No Mercy to join up with Toriyano and Takashi Izuka of Chaos. This led to Kenta's first GHC heavy defense against Maybach in Yokohama Bunga Gymnasium on March 10th, and Kenta retained. On March 10th, Maybach Jr. and Gemba won the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles at Yokohama Bunga Gymnasium, and then on March 31st at Korokin, Maybach Jr. and Maybach Taniguchi had a singles match, which Maybach Jr. lost. Afterward, he revealed his identity. Takahira Suwa, better known as just Suwa, who had started his career in Toriman and Dragon Gate before coming over to Noah in 2005. He had retired in 2007 and only just come back to wrestling after all that time away. Now that he had been unmasked, he would start going as Suwa again. But unfortunately, Suwa suffered a cervical spine injury during Kobashi's retirement show final burning on May 11th in the Budokan. He was pulled from all shows and replaced with Maybach Suwa Jr., who later turned out to be Hajime Ohara. Suwa and Genba returned the GHC Junior belts, and by December 2014, it was determined that Suwa just would not be able to make his return to wrestling because of the extent of his injuries. On May 12th, Kenta defended the GHC Heavy against Takashi Sugira at Korokin. He asked Sugira to join No Mercy. We'll get into it momentarily, but Sugira is a founding member of Brave. Sugira joins, though, which he says has nothing to do with the factions themselves, but about wanting to make Noah more interesting. We can also look at this from the outside as purely a numbers issue as well, with so many people having left for all Japan, there needed to be some changes to the different uh, members of the factions at the time. All of 2013 is really dominated by Kenta's Jishi heavy reign. I mentioned his defenses against Maybach and Sugira. He goes on to retain his title against Toroyano on June 2nd at Hakata Star Lanes, Namichi Marafuji on July 7th at Ariaki Coliseum, this is their final singles match before Kenta returns as Hideo Itami to fight Marafuji at his 20th anniversary event called Flight in 2018. It's available on YouTube. Muhammad Yone on August 4th at Differ Ariake. Shane Haste on September 7th at Differ Ariake. Mikey Nichols on September 16th at Hakata Star Lanes. Katsuhiko Nakajima on October 5th at Yokohama Bunga Gymnasium. This is also on YouTube and it is one of their very best matches. Make sure you watch this. And also Yuji Nagata on December 7th at Ariaki Coliseum. On January 5th, 2014, Kenta would face Takeshi Morishima in Korokin, and Morishima would defeat him to reclaim the GHC Heavyweight Championship, ending Kenta's first and to date only reign with that title at 343 days. That leads us to one of my favorite No Mercy storylines, which actually occurs in early 2014, the induction of Daisuke Harada. Harada had joined Noah in 2013 after leaving Osaka Pro. On January 5th, 2014 in Korokin, Daisuke defeated his former tag partner at Sushi Kotoge and announced he wanted to join No Mercy. The reason for this was because he was deeply ambitious and chasing the GHE Junior Heavyweight title held at the time by Taiji Ishimori, who to Daisuke represented No Mercy's rival faction, Brave. 
In Daisuke's mind, the only way to be successful and to become GHC junior heavyweight champion was to join No Mercy under Kenta's tutelage. So on January 12th in Yokohama Radiant Hall, Kenta had a singles match with Daisuke that works as an introductory match. Daisuke gets the brakes beat off him, but he puts up a good <laughs> fight, so Kenta lets him join his faction. On January 25th, Daisuke pins Ishimori in a No Mercy vs. Brave six-man to earn his title shot, and on March 8th in Ariaki Coliseum, Daisuke defeated Ishimori to become GHC Junior Heavyweight Champion for the first time. His success, a direct correlation to following Kenta and joining No Mercy. So 2014 had become a really interesting time for No Mercy for a few reasons. The ethos of the group has shifted by this time. They're doing less of the overtly healed things that were really the core of their gimmick when they first started in 2011. This was a natural shift over time that I personally think you can start to attribute to Kenta's rise to GHC champion in particular, but also to the faction shift that occurred when the AJPW exodus happened as well. Also, Kenta left Noah to pursue his next dream in joining WWE. He had his last match in his home promotion on May 17, 2014. This brought to an end his time as the leader of No Mercy. Sugira became the leader after him. Sugira was also tagging with Masato Tanaka as Dangan Yankees as well. Tanaka was never in No Mercy. You can consider him No Mercy adjacent, if anything else. On August 24th in Korokin, Sugira and Akatoshi Saito had a singles match, and Saito winds up joining No Mercy as well after being presented with a t-shirt. And that more or less brings us to the end of No Mercy as a faction, because jumping ahead a bit to December 23rd, 2015, Sugira betrays Noah and joins up with the invading Suzuki Goon. And the very next day, Naomichi Marafuji as vice president disbands all of the factions in Noah so that they can rise up together to fight their common enemy in Suzuki Goon. And we're going to see naturally a lot of factions end that way during this era, but um, because that's that's literally what he did. Yeah, it's it's very interesting to see that uh, ethos change, especially through Kenta's rise to GHC champion. His would you say his relationship with the audience changed, or what would you attribute? I guess that change in ethos through his championship run. I know it's a really really loaded question, but I think that even though. Kenta, No Mercy was, was heel coded from the beginning and they did heel things, but Kenta's never really been a straightforward heel. And I think that's, it's really hard to hang your hat on too many people in Noah who are straightforward heels. It's just not really how the booking has ever worked in Noah. It's not how they book their, it's not how they book anyone. <laughs> like nobody's ever really a straightforward baby face. No one's ever really a straightforward there, heel. There is exactly one faction that I think I could name as a straightforward heel faction and we will talk about them but uh, other than that there are no real heels or faces yeah with Kenta there was always this this sense from fans and from the crowd of, of waiting for him to come into the GHC heavyweight championship so people want him to succeed they want him to win so it's it's even when he's doing heel shit in the ring there is still this sense of the crowd being, I think, behind him through most most points. So that gradual shift is just like Kenta, Kenta at the height of No Mercy was like a rock star. Like this, he was so popular. Yeah. He was so over. People were there to see Kenta. So it's just, there was a coolness to No Mercy okay. as well. You can't get around that No Mercy was just a cool faction 
And I think you, it's because like you have like the, right, if you make the comparison to maybe a, like a heel faction, a very overt heel faction like Bullet Club, there's been points, I think maybe those earlier points of, of Bullet Club where you had like a, like a Finn Balor or whatever, yeah. you know, Virgil Devitt. Um, and then you have uh, maybe, maybe an AJ Styles. You can you see some of that. He was very popular. Yeah, we do talk popular. about that. Yeah. You, have, yeah, you have some of that coolness factor, but that's kind of, I think some of that has sort of petered out as people have gotten tired of the gimmick. With the height of No Mercy, I mean, you had people, you had Kenta, right? But then you yeah. also had like Kanemaru and mm-hmm. everything that he was. You had Yoshihiro Takayama. Like, like this yeah. was not like this, this factor or rather this faction had such a, a coolness to it that people were, were um, enthralled by them. I feel like I'm talking in circles, but. No, I think, I think you've got it. You answered my question right on the, um, on the head is that it happened because they were popular and they never really lost their core as a, I guess, heel or heel-esque unit, anti-establishment, making their own way, making their own path. However, they did change their in-ring style as their popularity grew and as things evolved. The the in-ring style was an interchangeable part, but in terms of the the anti-establishment aspect of the group, that really didn't change because Kenta was always positioned as an outsider within Noah, So that didn't change all the way up through his uh, winning the GHC Heavy. It's just that Kenta was so beloved and so popular and people wanted him to be champion and wanted him to win so badly. It almost negates some of that outsider-ness, but we talked about it in episode two, I Am Noah, where it's not that it doesn't matter, him being an outsider within like that matters a lot to his character and who he is as a, as a character in wrestling but it's that freedom and faith thing right like yeah. even even with no mercy being the way that they were and like the cheating and like using chairs and all that stuff kenta always takes responsibility for what he says and what he does which are core tenets of misawaism and freedom yeah. and faith so in those ways, he is always following those tenets all the way through, even when he's doing these like very overtly heel things, it never stops, you know, it never stops being a part of Misawaism. And that's the way that he is all the way through, um, you know, his time in Noah, you know, yeah. he always takes responsibility for his actions and what he says. And therefore he's always following freedom and faith, even being established as an outsider. All right. So we have talked a lot about uh, how cool Kenta was. Now let's talk about a group that was firmly against the man with ANMU. And I do just want to say like why this (laughs) era of faction warfare is so cool. Kenta rising to power in No Mercy. The fact that immediately Kotaro, Taiji, and Aoki needed to form a group positioned against him (laughs) that is like that could be so cheesy in a different promotion with different people it works so incredibly well during this era because these guys are so believable in everything that they do and it doesn't come across as cheesy at all and also we've talked about this before with Noah everything Noah does is so incredibly personal because of those constant merging the constant merging rather of the shoot aspects of their relationships to each other and then also the storylines that they create, right, in the, in the actual wrestling itself. This time period in Noah, 
So I would say probably from disobey in 2008, all the way up through um, when they disbanded all these things. And, you know, because No Mercy is the last one to go in like 2015. This period is so intensely personal and it comes across in all of the matches because all of these guys have incredible history together. And that's why it works. And that's why you can have an anti- no mercy union and it doesn't come across as incredibly silly and cheesy because they they are rising to to you know to take kenta out because he is um he's that big powerful they have to do yeah. something about him and like what he's creating that schism he's creating by forming that that faction no mercy within noah so that's a long intro into anmu but i just wanted to, i just want to point out for people listening that like and- this is a really really fun part of that whole era of faction warfare And when you first told me about this uh, unit, I definitely thought it as a joke. I really did. Like, I I thought it was like a one-off, you know, they they weren't around for very long. So I thought they were just kind of a joke faction. But no, like you said, the emotions that they put behind this and uh, they're very real, they're very strong, they're very personal. And it brings uh, this faction that could be very funny and very cheesy pretty much anywhere and bring it to life. Absolutely. As I mentioned before, there were three founding members immediately of ANMU. There was Kojiro Suzuki, who had been fighting disobey since he left that group, and he was GHC Junior Heavyweight Champion for a lot of ANMU tenure, having won the belt in December 2010, and he keeps it until September 2011. Atsushi Aoki, he'd been recently left without a tag partner because Marafuji, who held the GHC Junior tag titles with him, had been injured and needed to take time off to heal. They returned the belts, but prior to the injury, No Mercy had been targeting Marafuji with their antics. And then there was Taiji Ishimori. He was also left without a tag partner once his team with Ricky Marvin had come to an end. All three of these guys had history with Kenta, had lost to Kenta, and knew how he operated. Ishimori had also been Kenta's protege, and the two of them had been junior tag champions and won the junior tag league in 2008 at one point as well. So Kenta was instrumental to Taiji's rise within Noah. Some notes as well on the name. Initially, they were called Anti-No Mercy United Forces, but then they changed their name to Anti-No Mercy Union, but abbreviated it to ANMU, which is what you'll commonly see. After repeated incidents of No Mercy being just awful, awful heels and causing chaos during matches, Kotro Aoki and Taiji officially joined together on April 29, 2011 at Corrigan. They had a match against Kenta, Genba, and Kanamaru that resulted in ANMU getting the win because No Mercy introduced chairs, of course. Of course. Because of Marafuji's injury, the GHG Junior tag titles were vacant. Kenta and Kanemaru had announced their intentions to claim the titles. As a result, Aoki and Kotaro formed a tag team because they simply could not let those guys win the belts. On May 25th in Corrigan, both teams met to decide the new champions and No Mercy defeated ANMU. On July 10th at Ariaki Coliseum, ANMU tagged with Sano, who had recently been betrayed by his former partner Takayama, to join No Mercy. No Mercy defeated ANMU there as well. Kodro and Aoki teamed up for the Global Junior Heavyweight Tag League and defeated No Mercy, Kenta, and Kanamaru in the finals on July 30th. They had a title match on August 24th in Corrigan, but lost. Taiji was initially scheduled to participate with Zack Sabre Jr., but needed to withdraw due to injury. On August 7th at Furukawa City Gymnasium, GHC Heavyweight Champion at the time, Goshi Azaki, joined ANMU in a six-man tag match against No Mercy members, Kenta, Kanamaru, and Genba. Shio had a title match with Akiyama the day before and it injured his lip, which No Mercy made sure to target throughout their match on the 7th. ANMU won this match and Shio put up a really good fight. Shio also has a ton of history with Big Brother Kenta and surely had many opinions about Mr. No Mercy. After this match, Shiozaki and Kojiro 
were set to tag together in a two-day tag tournament on August 17th and 18th at different Ariake and faced off against Kenta and Yoshihiro Takayama. Kenta and Takayama did wind up defeating Shio and Kotaro, thus eliminating them. But it was Aoki who teamed with Sugira, who wasn't an NMU member, that made it to the finals against Kenta and Takayama. They lost to no mercy. From here, Shio would continue to work with ANMU, as would Sugira more or less, until Brave started. On October 16th in Clerken Hall, Kotaro and Aoki finally defeated Kenta and Kanamaru for the GHT Junior Heavyweight Tag Belts. I truly cannot say enough about the matches in Kenta and Kanamaru's reign that led up to this win or the Kotaro and Aoki reign that came after. It is all perfect tag team wrestling. You can find all of Kotaro and Aoki's reign on YouTube through King's Arc, and I'll be linking the playlist either on Twitter or in our show notes. In January 2012, Taiji comes back from injury and leaves ANMU because he feels like he has lost his place and joins Marafuji and Sugira's brave. 2012 is where we see ANMU come to an end, more or less, but Kotaro and Aoki continue to work together, just under a new name. On March 18th at a show in Yokohama Bunka Gymnasium, Akatoshi Saito and Jun Akiyama, the GHU heavyweight tag champions, defeated Goshiyazaki and Keiji Muto in order to regain the momentum started at the time of Noah's forming from many years ago, Akiyama wanted to form a new faction under him. That resonated with Kotaro and Aoki, and they decided to join him and Saito. You'll hear people refer to the group as Akiyama-gun sometimes, but they eventually take on another name, Special Assault Team, or SAT. Kotaro and Aoki stop using ANMU as their unit or tag team name and start using Special Assault Team. They continue to defend the junior tag belts until July 22nd, where they drop them to Ricky Marvin and Super Crazy and Ryogoku Kogihan. Shiyazaki <laughs> is a holdout from Special Assault Team at first. He initially refused to join and was the only member of ANMU for a time. However, on April 26th during Global Tag League, Shiyazaki saved Jun and Saito from Maybach Taniguchi, who was assaulting them during their match against him and his partner, Takayama. Afterward, Shio said he would finally join Akiyama-gun or Special Assault Team. However, I do need to point out that for a while afterward, they would still bill Shio as ANMU slash Akiyama-gun, and ANMU just sort of quietly faded away. It was never publicly disbanded. So technically, ANMU is still on the books, and Shio <laughs> is the only card-carrying member. Perhaps if he wasn't so distracted in January preparing to fight Nakajima in the Budokan, we would have seen him raise the ANMU flag again against his returning brother. Also, Special Assault Team is the final unit that Akiyama, Shigazaki, Aoki, and Kotaro participated in before they left NOAA for All Japan in December 2012. I am 100% waiting for Shigazaki to pull out the ANMU flag once again, because in my heart, he is still a card-carrying member. That is 100% correct. Always ready to fight his brother. <laughs> Speaking of people who are always ready to fight Kenta, we've got to get into Brave. <laughs> what a transition. So before we get into the formation of Brave, I need to remind you of a little Noah history. In October 2007, Takashi Sugira and Naomichi Marafuji became GHC heavyweight tag champions. It was Sugira's first run with the heavyweight tag belts and his first heavyweight title run in Noah, period. For Marafuji, it was his second time holding the heavyweight tag titles, his first being with Minoru Suzuki. Sugira and Maru held the belts together for 209 days before dropping them to Akatoshi Saito and Bison Smith. 
Jumping forward to December 2011, Sugira and Marafuji had a singles match on November 27, 2011 at Ariaki Coliseum, which was actually a return match for Marafuji, who had been out injured from April 2011, like we mentioned. Sugira won the match, and afterward he called for a revival of their tag team. Marafuji ultimately accepted, and starting with their December 11th match against Taiji Ishimori and Takeshi Morishima, their tag team reunion became official. This match is on YouTube, and the post-match is very charming and very funny, so please make sure you give that a watch. We've talked about Muhammad Yone and the dissolution of Disobe. Yone really wanted to join Sugira and Marafuji right off the bat. Sugira and Yone had tagged together in the 2011 Global League because Yone was left alone after being betrayed by those who left the Sobe to form No Mercy and with Takashi Rikio being injured. And then Sugira just didn't have a partner. So they did have a connection there. In January of 2012, he approached Marafuji and Sugira with the idea of joining their unit, which at the time was being called Marafuji-gun or Marafuji-Sugira-gun. They would not get the name Brave until a fan vote on the NOAA website in April 2012. Marafuji initially said no to Yone, but Sugira offered to give him a trial singles match, which Yone lost on January 15th, and Sugira put his membership, quote-unquote, on hold. (laughs) Poor Yone. (laughs) Poor Yone. His life was a mess. But the first official member of Brave would actually be Taiji Ishimori. We've also talked about ANMU and how Ishimori was a founding member of the Fuck You Kenta Club with Kotor Suzuki and Atsushi Aoki. But by January 2012, with Ishimori feeling like he had lost his place in the faction, he was seemingly looking for a new start. So he withdrew from ANMU on January 29th and joined Marafuji Sugira-gun. Yone would not be left out in the cold for much longer, though, because on February 14th, Shuhei Taniguchi joined No Mercy and interfered in the originally scheduled six-man tag match between Marafuji, Ishimori, and Sugira versus No Mercy members Genba, Kanemaru, and Yoshihiri Takayama. The match became an eight-man tag with Taniguchi joining the No Mercy side and Yone coming out from the back to join Marafuji Sugira-kun. Ultimately, Yone won the match for his team with a kick to Taniguchi, so Marafuji allowed Yone to join for his efforts. Ricky Marvin also joined Marafuji Sugira-gun that same night. There were lots of title opportunities for members of Marafuji Sugira-gun in early 2012. Ishimori challenged GFC Junior Heavyweight Champion Katsuhiko Nakajima on February 25th, but was ultimately unsuccessful. Sugira had been scheduled to challenge Takeshi Morishima for the GHC Heavyweight title in March, but had to pull out due to a herniated disc. So Marafuji took his place on March 18th and lost to Morishima. Ricky Marvin also teamed up with Super Crazy during that show to take on GHU Junior Heavyweight Tag Champions Aoki and Kotaro Suzuki, but also came up short. Super Crazy would be an affiliated member of Brave at times. So now we are in April. And as I mentioned before, the group's name is decided by Fanvote via Noah's website. Brave means exactly what you think it means. There's no other special or hidden meaning there. <laughs> right on the cover. Global Tag League started up in April, and Marafuji and Yone entered together and won the tournament, defeating Katsuhiko Nakajima and Takeshi Morishima in the finals. At one point, Morishima helped Brave out when they were attacked by Maybach Taniguchi, and after the conclusion of the tournament, Marafuji in backstage comments said he would like Morishima to join Brave. Morishima accepted and joined the faction. Marafuji and Yone challenged reigning Jichi Heavy Tag Champions Jun Akiyama and Akatoshi Saito on May 26th, but lost. On July 22nd, Super Crazy and Ricky Marvin won the GHC Junior Tag Titles from Aoki and Kotaro. And then on July 29th, Atsuji Kotoge asked Taiji to be his tag partner for the upcoming Global Junior Heavyweight Tag League. Taiji accepted and Kotoge subsequently joined Brave. Toge and Taiji would win the tournament but lose to the other Brave champions. 
Taiji would win the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship for the first time on January 27, 2013, for All Japan Pro Wrestling Shuji Kondo. He held the title for 405 days with a record-setting 11 defenses. In December 2012, Mark Uji and Sagiro would win the GHC Heavyweight Tag Belts from Akatoshi Saito and Go Shiyazaki. They held the belts for 91 days before dropping them to Chaos, Takashi Izuka, and Toru Yano. In April of 2013, two brave teams entered Global Tag League, Sugira and Marufuji in Yone and Morishima. After one match, Marufuji was injured and needed to pull out of the tournament entirely. Kotoge filled in for Marufuji, and both brave teams failed to advance to the finals. As we all know by now, 2013 is an important year in NOAA history for Kenta's GHC heavyweight reign. Sugira challenged Kenta for the title on May 12th in Corrigan and lost. Afterward, Kenta indicated that he wanted Sugira to join him, and Sugira did, just like that, and joined No Mercy. <laughs> And like I mentioned before, Sagira's reasoning for this is that he wanted to make Noah more interesting. It really wasn't about the team, per se. Mm. On July 7th, Mark Uji challenged Kenta for the GHC Heavyweight Championship and lost. This was their final singles match for many years before Kenta came back from WWE to face Mark Uji during his 20th anniversary event flight in September 2018. Yoni also challenged Kenta and lost on August 4th. On that same August 4th card, after a match between Marafuji and Gatoge versus Sugira and Takayama, Katsuko Nakajima, who was still a member of Diamond Ring, came out to the ring and said he wanted to join Brave to try to bring down Kenta, because old grudges die hard around there. Oh, God. <laughs> especially, especially those two. Especially those Ooh. two. Marafuji and Gatoge wanted to accept him into Brave, but it was actually Yone, who did not approve of Nakajima joining Brave, which is so funny. No, no one wanted you in here anyway, Yone. I know, I know. <laughs> a man with a lot of opinions, considering everything that had happened to him thus far with factions. Mm-hmm. At Marafuji's 15th anniversary event on August 24th, Yone and Nakajima had a singles match, and both were knocked out after 17 minutes. <laughs> but afterward, Yone's position had softened, and Nakajima was officially allowed to join Brave. that's so them i know it's stupid this has always been a consistently stupid promotion though (laughs) yeah you have to give them that yeah no they they come in ebbs and ebbs and flows of stupidity but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway um as we mentioned before nakajima went on to challenge kenta on october 5th for the ghc heavyweight championship but he lost there as well make sure you watch that that's your that's everyone's homework that's listening (laughs) yeah on January 5th, 2014, Takashi Morishima reclaimed the GHC Heavyweight Championship from Kenta and called the members of Brave into the ring. Accompanied by Keno and Maybach Taniguchi, the three of them attacked the members of Brave and announced they had formed a new three-person unit, which we will talk about momentarily. Taiji Ishimori and Atsushi Katoge will go on to have two reigns together as GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Champions, one 22-day reign from March 2014 to April 2014, and then a 99-day reign from July 2014 to October 2014. Mara became GHC Heavyweight Champion for the second time in his career on July 5th by defeating New Japan's Yuji Nagata. He held the belt for 253 days, his longest reign with the belt to date, before dropping it to Minoru Suzuki. And all of this leads us to December 24th, 2015, when Marafuji decided to disband all of Noah's factions in order for the promotion to band together and fight the invading army, Suzuki-kun. It should also be noted that Marafuji was GHD heavyweight champion in his third reign when he made this decision. He lost the belt very soon after. So that brings us into Chokibogun, which you had just mentioned a little bit ago. Shokibogun officially formed on January 5th, 2014 at New Year's Navigation following the main event 
where Takashi Morishima defeated Kenta to win the GHC Heavyweight Championship. After the match, Morishima's stablemates in Brave, Namichimaru Fuji, Mahama Yone, and Taiji Ishimori, came out to congratulate the new champion. However, Brave would get attacked by Maybach Taniguchi and the recently debuted M-Pro representative, Keno. Morishima then turned heel and joined in on the brutal beatdown. Morishima denounced both Brave and No Mercy and stated that he would be forming a new stable to be the center of Noah's future. The stable, at the time known as Morishima-gun, would take place in the first navigation tour later that month where they would be extremely successful. Their only losses came on January 19th when Taniguchi lost to Kenta by disqualification and when Morishima and Keno lost to New Japan's Yuji Nagata and Jushin Thunder Liger. They suffered another loss again on January 25th when Keno lost to Mohamed Yone also by disqualification when Hajime Ohara attacked Yone out of nowhere, joining the stable. However, in the main event of the same show, Morishima's faction added more gold to its ranks when Morishima and Taniguchi defeated TMDK to win the GHC Tag Team Championships, thus giving the group a monopoly on all the heavyweight titles. Immediately after, they announced the name of the stable as Chokibogun, or the Super Violent Army. The group's fortunes declined on February 3rd as Taniguchi lost to Kenta in a no-DQ match. Five days later, on February 8th, Morishima's title reign abruptly ended when he lost the title to Yuji Nagata. From there, they were not as dominant and started trading wins and losses with TMDK, Brave, and No Mercy throughout the tour. So overall, they lost their momentum pretty quickly. On March 8th, in Great Voyage in Tokyo, Taniguchi attacked Nagata following his title defense against Takashi Sugiura to establish himself as the next contender. Morishima and Taniguchi took place in Global Tag League in April, but only managed to score two wins, one over TMDK and another over Chris Hero and Colt Cabana. They finished seventh overall with only four points, so a really disappointing placement for the pair, especially given that they were champions at the time. To make matters worse, on April 20th, Maybach Taniguchi challenged Nagata for his title, but ultimately lost. On May 31st, Chokibogun would lose their only title when Morishima and Taniguchi lost the GHC tag titles to the Dongan Yankees, Takashi Sugiura and Masato Tanaka. And Chokibogun continued to spiral when Morishima got hurt on June 13th. In July, Keno and Ohara entered the 2014 NTV G Cup uh, Junior Heavyweight Tag League. And on August 2nd, Chokibogun were back on track as Morishima made a successful return. He teamed with Taniguchi against new JHC heavyweight champion Naomichi Marufuji and Katsuko Nakajima, with Morishima pinning Marufuji. However, despite usually getting the win in preview matches by a lot of cheating, <laughs> he did ultimately fail to regain the GHC heavyweight championship when he and Marafuji faced on August 24th. On September 6th, Chokibogun took on Brave in a four-match series. While Ohara lost the first match to Katoge by disqualification, the group would dominate the rest of the series by going 3-1 with Morishima defeating Nakajima 
Taniguchi defeating Mohamed Yone, and Keno would score a huge upset victory over Marafuji thanks to interference from Taniguchi in the main event. This I just watched this match. It's very fun. Um, there's a lot of cheating going around from all of them. This is what I was talking about by um, probably one of the very few pure heel stables that I have seen um, just from start to finish a lot of cheating, a lot of interference. There aren't a whole lot of matches that I would call like top of the crop for that reason, but there's a lot of, there's still some really fun matches in here. And I actually really, really enjoyed this uh, Keno and Marafuji match, which was their first singles match that they've ever had. On September 23rd, Taniguchi would challenge Marafuji for the heavyweight championship, but would also come up short. Less than a month later, on October 12th, Chokibo Goon would finally claim another title when Ohara and Keno defeated Braves Taiji Ishimori and Atsushi Kotoge to win the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles. In October, Morishima and Taniguchi entered the Global League, but neither won. Morishima ended up in seventh place with only six points, though he did score wins over Shane Haste, Marafuji, and Satoshi Kojima. Taniguchi fared much better, placing fourth and scoring eight points, moving on to face Takashi Sugiura to determine who would go to the finals on November 8th. Unfortunately, Taniguchi would suffer a crushing defeat as Sugiura defeated him with a front neck lock in less than two minutes. <laughs> so Chokibugun was not about uh, dominance here. They were about causing problems, and, and they certainly did, did that quite a bit. Uh, but despite all of this, Chokibo Goon's 2015 actually began pretty well. On January 10th, at the New Year Navigation Show, Morishima defeated Mitsuhiro Kitamiya, later known as Masa Kitamiya, in the fifth match of Kitamiya's seven-match series. Following the match, Morishima surprisingly offered him a place in Chokibo Goon, which Kitamiya readily accepted. On February 27th, the unit would hold their own produced box office, which was entirely self-sponsored. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, the show features all the members of Chokibagoon in singles matches in which Marafuji finally gets his singles win back from Keno. I do want to note that this is the only time Marafuji has actually defeated Keno in a singles match. So that, that's very important to me. Um, and in the main event, Morishima does defeat Sugira. So a pretty fun produced show, all things considered. On March 15th, Keno and Ohara lose the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships to Suzuki Goon's El Desperado and Takamichi Noku in a three-way match, also involving Daisuke Harada and Gemba. On April 21st, Morishima suddenly announced his retirement from professional wrestling due to struggling with his diabetes. When he announced this retirement, he gave Keno the mantle of the second generation leader of the unit, which I did not know. And I actually was very surprised. I would have thought it would be his tag partner, Taniguchi, but no, it, it was Keno, which I thought was very sweet. Uh, they had a very, those two had a very, very close bond. Following Morishima's retirement from professional wrestling, Taniguchi entered the GHC heavyweight championship picture in May, 2015, challenging Minoru Suzuki. On June 9th, Taniguchi was unmasked during a tag team match where he and Yoshihiro Takayama defeated Suzuki and Takashi Izuka. Taniguchi received his title shot on June 15th, but was defeated by Suzuki. 
And then, of course, on December 24th, Naomichi Narafuji dismantled all of Noah's stables, including Chikibagoon, in order to unite the promotion against Suzuki-gun. So ultimately a pretty short-lived stable, but I do think it is important to note that they uh, were very much heels from start to finish, always cheating, always um, interfering in each other's matches. You will always see one or the other at somebody's apron um, ready to commit crimes. Very, very much so. And I actually, I find it interesting personally when Keno moved up to heavyweight he speaks on the stable and that he really only joined to um, help Morishima and that he liked Morishima and wanted to help him out and uh, didn't actually like these kinds of heel antics and found it to be a form of comedy specifically he says that he doesn't like comedy wrestling so this isn't something that sat well with him And um, I find that very interesting because, again, it's something that we don't really know Noah for. It's not something that people talk about when they talk about Noah's history, but it's really prevalent throughout. And, you know, you've talked about it from the top down, um, that this sort of interference uh, stable, this heel interference is fairly common and you will see it. Yeah, it's interesting because I think when people... I guess when people sort of talk about Noah as this very serious and honorable fact, uh, promotion all the time, it's sort of strange because it, it wipes out this entire history and this entire era of Noah booking that very yeah. much exists and is very relevant <laughs> to the story of so many important figures of Noah. And there's not any one figure of Noah who hasn't been affected by or touched by this booking really. Oh yeah. So it's, it's very bizarre to me but it's 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 like these people just have not ever looked back further than it's very interesting to watch this unit in 2015 too while suzuki goon are running around and so they both are kind of running the same heel interference yeah it's like the same gimmick it's really weird it's a it's a bizarre gimmick and um they're i mean they're not unpopular they had their own produced show but they're not as popular as some of the other um, things going on in this time. So it's, it's just very bizarre to watch a lot of this stuff, but it, it is entertaining to its own right. So now we're starting to get into this empty void of factions where all the staples have been disbanded and the promotion is united against Suzuki-gun. And we talk about the Suzuki-gun invasion at length in our New Japan's Factions episode. Please check that out. But once they go away, there isn't a whole lot going on. Seb in our last episode discusses Rotels, which comes along during this era. And then other than that, in the heavyweight scene, we mostly have this sort of generational conflict and there aren't a whole lot of stables coming out of it in that time period. It takes a while. And I'm just curious to see how you how you feel about this, Rachel, because I was musing on this quite a bit when we were going through some of the research and rewatching that just and such. But we can I don't really want to get into it because we, we got into it a lot in the Noah or excuse me, in the New Japan Factions episode in the effectiveness of disbanding the factions and the overall storyline implications of Noah versus Suzuki-gun and how that all panned out for each party. But do you what I walked away with was a sense of I'm actually glad in some ways that factions like No Mercy and Brave were disbanded because I feel like in some ways it prevented those factions from jumping the shark, so to speak. Like, were you left with a similar sort of feeling? You know, I actually kind of am. And I was thinking this as you were going through how a lot of these factions are pretty 
old. Like they're pretty long lasting. You don't have that rapid faction change that you see in say like DDT or when we get to the Dragon Gates faction episode where you're going to see a lot of rapid changing. These factions are long lived. And um, there is very much that possibility of jumping the shark. And, you know, a lot of factions haven't gotten there, but that's always because of outside factors such as disbandment or um, leaving the promotion to all Japan. So, um, like, these are true outside factors here. So I, I think I agree in a lot of ways is that I definitely think that Noah has that capacity because of their long livingness of their factions that things can get pretty tired if they go unchecked. So speaking of long-lived factions, <laughs> and, and I actually, I could argue in defense of some of this faction. I know that there are a lot of hot takes going on in the internet about this faction, but uh, we're going to talk about Stinger. <laughs> now, Seb and I do talk quite a bit about the formation of Stinger and their epic feud with Rattels in the previous episode, so please do check that out. However, Stinger is such an important unit in the modern Noah Jr. landscape that we would be amiss to leave them out of this episode. So here's a brief history and some of their accomplishments and what they mean in the promotion currently. In the fall of 2018, after returning to Noah from All Japan, Kotaro Suzuki started feuding with Rotels, and he would be joined by Yoshinari Ogawa. On October 30th, Suzuki defeated Rotels leader Daisuke Harada to win the GHG Junior Heavyweight Championship. Harada demanded a rematch but Suzuki would only grant it under the stipulation that if Harada lost, Rattels would be forced to disband. On December 16th, at Great Voyage in Yokohama, Suzuki lost the title to Harada. After the match, Yohei turned on Rattels, siding with Suzuki and Ogawa. The three dubbed themselves as Stinger. The group goes on to feud with Rattels for well over a year, resulting in a lot of betrayals and movements between the two units. This finally culminated in the first half of 2020 on March 29th, when Atsushi Katoge and Kotaro Suzuki lost the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship to Hayata and Yohei. Later that night, however, Ogawa did successfully defend the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship against Daisuke Harada, putting to rest some of the eternal ire between the two. Only some of it. (laughs) (laughs) Only some of it. Immediately after the match, Suzuki turned on Ogawa, attacking him. Later in a post-match interview, Ogawa announced the disbanding of the stable due to Suzuki's actions, which... I thought was very funny. Seb talks on how confusing that was. Then to make matters even more confusing on April 19th, Suzuki defeated Ogawa to win the GHC junior heavyweight championship for the fourth time. But afterwards, Suzuki asked to team with Ogawa in order to challenge for the GHC junior heavyweight tag team championship which Ogawa accepted, thus reuniting the stable after only 20 days of disbandment. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I, my favorite part is uh, Atsushikatoge, so confused. It's He's in this unit and he has no idea what's going on. It's, it's very, very funny. So that brings us to May 9th during the junior tag championship match where Hayata turned on his partner Yohei, joining Ogawa and Suzuki. The following day, Hayata and Ogawa defeated Tadasuke and Yohei to win the vacated GAC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships, meaning that Stinger held both of Noah's junior championships. Not the last time this will happen. On October 11th, Ogawa and Hayata did lose the tag belts to Momo Nisation, which was Kotoge and Daisuke Harada. On October 28th, Stinger was defeated by Kongo, with Suzuki being pinned by Tadasuke. Afterwards, Hayata and Ogawa turned on Suzuki, turning Stinger into a tag team. Later that night, Hayata and Ogawa attacked and challenged Momo Nisation to a rematch for the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. They won this rematch a month later on November 22nd, crowning them Junior Tag Team Champions for the second time. On December 6th, at Noah the Best, Haita and Ogawa defended their belts against Kotaro Suzuki and complete unknown newcomer, Selvahe de Oriente. <laughs> During the match, Oriente turned on Suzuki, unmasking and revealing himself as Yuya Susumu, joining Stinger in the process. The unit is fairly successful and becoming more and more popular through this time. On May 2nd, 2021, following a match between Stinger and Full Throttle, Seiki Yoshioka turned on his team, leaving Full Throttle to become the fourth member of Stinger. This is when we really start to see Stinger trading the belts back and forth with the other members in the junior division, particularly with the Noah Jr. Seikikun. On May 31st, Hayata and Ogawa lost the tag belts to Daisuke Harada and Hajime Ohara. On June 26th at Cage War, Hayata won a Noah Jr. Rumble match by last eliminating Yohei. Afterwards, Hayata challenged champion at the time, Atsushi Katoge, to a title match for the following show. The following day at Muta the World on June 27th, Hayata defeated Katoge to win the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship. On August 1st, then Susumu and Yoshioka defeated the tag champions to win the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. So once again, them holding all of the belts. They do lose it once again to Noah Seikigun a month later on September 12th. In late June, so going into July, Stinger got away from Seikigun and began feuding with Los Paris de Mal de Japon. This feud would go on for a long time, involving an increasing amount of tension and antics and straight up shenanigans between Peros and Stinger before finally leading to a title match on November 28th at Noah the Best, where Hayata and Ogawa defeated Eita and Nozawa Rongai to win the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship for the third time. So already just a very, very dominant stable. On December 5th, Hayata successfully defended the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship against Tadasuke. I actually really love this match. If you guys want to go check that out, I really, really liked it. 
Following the match during Hayata's celebration, Ogawa pulled the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship belt off of his shoulder. Hayata held onto it, but Ogawa didn't give up, pointing at the belt and declaring himself the next challenger. Afterwards, in a post-match interview, Hayata accepted the challenge, leading Ogawa to offer a handshake, but then Ogawa proceeded to attack him. Their feud led to a title match on January 1st, 2022 at NOAA The New Year, where Hayata successfully defended his title against Ogawa. Following the match, Hayata offered a handshake, but Ogawa refused, throwing his half of the junior tag belts to Hayata. This seemed to be the end of Stinger in a lot of ways, and much like before with Kotaro, Ogawa seemed to have given up on the stable. However, four days later at New Sunrise, Hayata and Ogawa successfully defended those GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships against Kotaro Suzuki and Yohei. This is what I find really interesting. In a backstage interview afterwards, Ogawa stated that he and Hayata talked out their issues, and Ogawa admitted to have let his emotions get the better of him at the Budokan, stating, and I quote, that he was being immature. This to me is a rather amazing confession and a deeply rare one in wrestling, but it also marks this point where Stinger goes from being Ogawa's stable of students, people who want to learn from him, especially you see that with Susumu and Yoshioka, And it's now more or less a partnership between equals. And this becomes a running theme in the stable's recent history, it being all about respect and Ogawa particularly respecting these younger wrestlers. On January 10th, Hayata lost the GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship to Daisuke Harada. Nine days later, Hayata and Ogawa vacated the tag belts after Ogawa tested positive for COVID-19. On January 22nd, Susumu and Yoshioka defeated Noah Jr. Seikigun to win the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. The titles were, however, once again vacated on February 11th, following Yoshioka being sidelined with a heel injury. Following the mitigation of the COVID-19 travel restrictions, however, on May 23rd, it was announced that Chris Ridgway would be returning to the stable on April 29th. At the event, Ogawa and Ridgway defeated Kotoge and Yohei to win the tag belts. In the main event, Hayata defeated Eita to win the Junior Heavyweight Championship, marking a clean sweep for Stinger, who left Noah Majestic holding all of Noah's junior championships. On May 4th, Susumu and Yoshioka attacked Ogawa and Ridgeway before challenging them to a title match for the tag belts, which at this point you can see isn't all that unusual for Stinger. This is just how that they challenge. However, there seemed to be quite a bit of tension This split in Stinger left a lot of questions as to which side Hayata would ultimately side with. There was this rather amusing backstage segment where Susumu and Yoshioka kind of cornered Hayata and asked for a handshake from him. And he sort of kind of awkwardly gives them one and they happily declare that Hayata is now on their side. 
Ogawa and Ridgeway attack the other three during the post-match interview. However, on the 19th, just before the tag match, Hayata teamed with Ogawa and Ridgeway in an outpost battle against Yoshioka, Susumu, and Kai Fujimura. Yoshioka called Hayata's loyalties into question, both on Twitter and during the match, but ultimately Hayata refused to comment or pick a side. So there was this big sort of tug of war between the uh, champion and these uh, two tag teams. In an interview for PWDX, Yoshioka speaks out and discusses that he disliked the fans saw Stinger as simply Ogawa and Hayata's team, and that he and Susumu did not want to look like hanger-ons. In the end, this match was not about splitting Stinger up. Rather, it was about a need to earn respect and the fear of being in Hayata and Ogawa's shadow. He states in the interview that he wanted to show Ogawa how much he learned. This all led to a match on May 21st with the stipulation that the losing team would be forced to leave Stinger. The match ended in a no contest thanks to the interference from Peros, which in turn led the stable to ultimately reconcile. There's this really charming moment after the match where Ogawa is fussing over Yoshioka's legs, which he had hurt himself during the match. So I thought it was rather, rather amusing. But (laughs) this does show the bond that Stinger had grown as a group, and they now respect each other and care for each other. And this is especially nice to see coming from Ogawa very different from their original ideology, which was mostly to cause pain, particularly to Daisuke Harada, but in general. Well, sometimes he deserves that. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. (laughs) On June 7th, Susumu Yoshioka and Ogawa defeated Las Paras de Mal de Japon, Eita Kotaro Suzuki, and Nozawa Rongai to win the Open the Triangle Gate Championship. Ogawa had been given his choice of any members in the unit to team with, but he chose Yoshioka and Susumu, which I do think is telling towards the respect he had towards them. However, the following day, Susumu, Yoshioka, and Ogawa lost the titles to Kotoge, Harada, and Yohei. Afterwards, Yoshioka decided to leave Stinger, once again feeling lost in the shadow of Ogawa and Hayata. He discusses this in another PWDX interview, stating that he felt that if he didn't find a way to break out in the division from behind Hayata, he would be buried. This broke Susumu's heart, hoping his friend would change his mind, but Yoshioka ultimately did not. And he would then challenge Hayata for his GHC junior heavyweight belt, which he sadly failed to obtain on July 17, 2022. Ultimately, Stinger is one of the most popular stables in NOAA right now, and by far the most dominant, even more so than Congo, which we will talk about in a minute, with five GHC junior heavyweight reigns to their name, eight GHC junior heavyweight tag reigns, which is insane to me, and one junior league win, and one extremely brief run with the Open the Triangle Gate Championship. It's so funny because I don't think there is a faction in Noah as controversial as Stinger has become, at least on the Western fan side of things. Oh, because for sure. I don't know. I, I'm not going to pretend to know 
the feelings are extended amongst Japanese fans, but they're so controversial. And every time I, I have to see somebody from Stinger defend a belt, there's always just, just discourse on the timeline, but their popularity is undeniable. I mean, that's why they're so dominant. And it's just, it's just really funny that disparity between those two concepts with them. Oh yeah, no, they are extremely popular. And I mean, they're extremely good wrestlers as well. Like I, I can't argue with that. I do um, believe that, you know, there's a lot of bottlenecking that can occur when you see this happen, where these factions are so incredibly dominant, where a lot of the other factions don't really even get a chance to tell those stories. But to credit, Stinger is in fact telling these stories. They are creating stories with the characters and with the opportunities they are given. So, you know, there is that in the defense of Stinger. But it is interesting that you had previously mentioned sort of being grateful that factions ended before they could jump the shark. I do not know if I would say that Stinger has gotten to that point, but it is interesting to think about and to think about where they might be going and if they should keep going or if maybe it's time to pull the plug and see what sort of stories bloom from that. No, it's, it's a great thing to bring up around them. And we're going to talk about it again when we talk about M's Alliance as well. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a, a very prevalent topic. And I did want to mention too, you brought up a great point about this sort of evolution in Yoshinari Ogawa's character in particular through Stinger, which has been to me the most interesting part of Stinger. Um, yes. And when you go back and you watch earlier matches in Noah with, with Ogawa and really examine some of his early relationships, particularly with Kotaro Suzuki, it is interesting how he has evolved over time and starting to really show these very like very explicit displays of of respect and of of care of, of true yeah, care affection, um, yeah. and of affection and like it's not to say that he couldn't be that way with Kotaro but it's different because this is a much more conscious decision to do something in character whereas okay. I think before when Kotaro especially was younger there would be those displays of affection but I think it was um some of that shoot stuff sort of bleeding into, you know, the stuff that goes on in the ring, I think. Whereas this stuff within Stinger is like this very conscious decision to add this to the development of his character. And I find that just so fascinating at his age and with where he is in his career. And that's one thing that really stood out to me with that backstage comments where he sat there and was like, you know, I was being very immature. He's at this point in his age and his career where you don't think Like, oh, he's still developing and he's still learning and he's still making mistakes. But no, he is. And I think that's a really great thing to see. And I think it's just really speaks to his talent as a wrestler on all levels on in the ring work. Obviously, that's undeniable, but his character work as well. So speaking of character work, (laughs) let's talk a little bit about Congo. And so easily for everyone listening. We could have so easily made this episode just about the three rebel factions of Noah, Sternus, No Mercy, and Congo, but we decided to play it fair for all of you. (laughs) So you can all get our stinger takes. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) And our M's Alliance takes later on. Oh, they're coming. I have so many. many I'm so excited. But but no, I think there's definitely a through line here, and we're going to talk about that in literally just a moment. So Congo. 
On March 10th, 2019, at Great Voyage in Yokohama, Kaito Kiyomiya asked Keno to be his partner in the upcoming Global Tag League, in which Keno accepted, declaring a united front to create a new scenery for NOAA. However, they failed to advance to the finals, losing to the team of Masao Inoue and Akitoshi Saito on the final day of the tour on April 30th. Afterwards, Keno disbanded the team, stating that Kaito was a company-made star and nothing more than a mere puppet for Lide Entertainment, who owned Noah at the time. He disapproved of the idea of walking down an already paved path to stardom, which is how he perceived the young champion. On May 2nd, Keno and Masao Inoue defeated the tough Masakita Mia and Yoshiki Inamura. After the match, Keno stared at both Kitamiya and Inamura for a long time before walking off. On May 4th, two days later, Keno and Kitamiya lost to Kaito and Shuhei Taniguchi. However, after the match, Atsushi Katoge and Inamura joined Keno and Kitamiya and formed Kongo, which translates to diamonds, as a protest against Lide Entertainment. They attacked Kaito establishing themselves as a dissident heel unit. The stable made its official debut on May 11th in a losing effort against Kiyomiya, Minoru Tanaka, and Hiroki. The unit isn't immediately successful at all. And in fact, on July 27th, Katoge announced he was leaving the stable in order to make his return to Noah's junior heavyweight division. Keno was at first irritated by this, but ultimately accepted Kotoge's decision and all three members wished him well, with Keno telling Kotoge to take his strong belief back to the juniors and defeat them all. This is a huge marker in the general tone of Congo for years to come. From August 18th to September 10th, Keno and Kitamiya took part in the 2019 N1 victory, wrestling in separate blocks. Kitamiya finished third in his block, while Keno won his block with a record of three wins and one loss, advancing to the finals of the tournament. During the tournament, Keno began feuding with Takashi Sugiura and his stable, Sugiura-gun, with Keno accusing Sugiura of being, and I quote, a company dog, which escalated <laughs> into a rather legendary Twitter feud, leading to Sugiura to actually love this moniker, take to it heartily, and pretty much build his whole <laughs> unit around it in order to mock Keno. Oh, uh, God. I could also so do good. a whole... I could do a whole episode on those two alone. And of course, the finals came down to none other than Keno and Sugiura himself. And Sugiura has been a longtime obstacle for Keno and the person who took the GHC title from him to end his first reign in March of 2018. He defeated Sugiura to win the N1 victory, establishing himself as number one contender for Kaito Kiyomiya's title. Though apparent this whole time, Congo's grudge against Noah's leadership really came out to shine during the next few months, with Keno relentlessly attacking Kaito, not only for his status as champion, but for his relationship with Lide, once again citing that Lide had led Kaito down this golden path, rather than Kaito being truly able to carry the company on his own. He painted Kaito as a figurehead that the company chose, someone easy to manipulate. 
Kenno represented the opposition and crafted himself as something of an anti-ace at the time. He and Congo at large opposed Lide and their ideals of being a champion. He stated to Kaito during the final press conference before their match, and this is probably one of my favorite quotes from him ever, is that I will take your belt and your burden. This is just so Kenno and the way that he just wants to carve his own path and be his own champion away from what anyone can tell him to do. During the build to this match, on October 3rd, Congo announced their very first produced show, Diamond, to be held two months later on December 14th, 2019. Lide created a stipulation for this show, further flexing their power against this rebel unit. President Suzuki stated in a public press conference for the event that should Congo be unable to sell out Shinjuku first ring for the show, Congo would be disbanded and Kenno would be forced to leave Noah forever. I need you to know <laughs> that Shinjuku first ring is a very small arena. <laughs> so the stakes weren't really that high. No, they really weren't. Um, fortunately, the show did sell out within a month, Kenno managing to gather 300 whole fans that wanted to see his show. Like I said, it wasn't too, too worrying, but Congo was safe for another day. <laughs> On November 2nd, Kenno challenged Kaito Kiyomiya for the GHC title. He ultimately failed, but the unit did not stop in their championship pursuits nor their war against people that they saw as in control of the current landscape of Noah. Later in November, Hidamiya began feuding with Sugiura Goon's leader, Takashi Sugiura, after Kitamiya challenged Sugiura to a match for the GHC National Championship to be realized on January 4th, 2020. On December 3rd, Congo faced Sugiura Goon members Kazuki Fuchita, Hideki Suzuki, and Sugiura in a losing effort. Afterwards, Sugiura mocked them, calling them weak, which Keno did not take lightly to. Shortly after, Keno began talking expansion, wanting to increase the power of the unit by finding new members with similar strong beliefs to him, Kitamiya, and Inamura. He revealed the two members at Diamond on December 14th. And they were revealed to be Neo and Hao, formerly known as Hiroki and Yuki Sato, respectively. They were the first junior heavyweight members of the unit, because if you'll remember, Kotoge was a heavyweight at the time. On December 27th, during Sugiura Goon's own produce event, 19 minutes into a tag match between Hideki Suzuki and Kazuyuki Fujita and Kazushi Sakuraba and Takashi Sugiura, Kongo attacked all four members of Sugiura Goon and bloodied Sugiura. <laughs> Afterwards, Keno challenged the unit to a match, leading to a six-man tag with Kitamiya, Inamura, and Keno taking on Sugiura, Suzuki, and Fujita, which Kongo somehow lost. <laughs> However, the two stables would continue to feud for another five months after this, well into 2020. Looking at a lot of these feuds that we've covered, it doesn't feel like Congo and Sugiyama were really feuding for that long, but actually watching it, it feels like this feud kind of lasted forever. It was very enjoyable, but it just it's interesting to think that a lot of these feuds are very long-lived. On January 4th, 2020, at New Sunrise, Kitamiya unsuccessfully challenged Sugiura for the GHC National Championship. On March 29th, 
Keno teased in a pre-taped vignette that a new member would join the stable on April 19th. Later that month, both Howe and Neo took part in the 2020 Global Junior League, wrestling in separate blocks. Both Howe and Neo failed to advance, with Howe finishing last in his block of four and Neo finishing third in his block of four. So not particularly impressive. In April, Keno and Kitamiya took part in the 2020 Global Tag League, finishing the tournament with a record of two wins and one loss, failing to advance to the finals. On April 19th, Manaba Soya was revealed as the newest member, as teased previously. On May 3rd, during a special empty arena show called Noah Stay Together Showdown, Sugi Uragoon versus Congo, the members of Congo and Sugi Uragoon faced each other in five singles matches before facing each other in a 12-man elimination tag team match. Congo won this match in over 45 minutes, finally settling the feud between the two factions. It is a very good match. It is very, very long, though. <laughs> So Congo made a surprising debut for DDT Pro Wrestling on May 30th on DDT's weekly TV show, with Keno calling out DDT and Noah's president at the time, Sanchiro Takagi, due to his resentment and distrust towards him. He stated in the ring that he would protect Noah from Takagi after expressing his worry that Takagi bought Noah in order to rank it beneath DDT. This led to Takagi challenging Keno to a match between Congo and DDT. On June 6th, on the first night of Wrestle Peter Pan, Keno, Kitamiya, and Hao defeated Takagi, Kasasada Higuchi, and Tomomitsu Matsunaga. After this match, Keno made Takagi promise to leave Noah alone and not instate any reforms on the promotion, which was his initial worry and what he had stated in his interviews and column about this match. He was mostly worried that Takagi was looking to change Noah and make it more like DDT. Later that month, all members of Congo, except for Keno, took part in all four sides, a tournament designed by Katsuhiko Nakajima to determine the next challenger for his national championship, which is such a Nakajima thing to do to make everybody in the promotion fight for a chance to face him. Don't get me started. He was an absolute nightmare during that national he championship was, run. It uh, was incredible. What, uh, what a nightmare person. Uh, in the finals on June 20th, Soya defeated Kitamiha to become the number one contender. However, the following day, Soya unsuccessfully challenged Nakajima. On July 24th, Congo produced its second event, Diamond 2, at Currican Hall, with Keno facing Howe in a winning effort in the main event. Howe had challenged Keno to this in a backstage segment, and touched by Howe's strong belief, Keno accepted. And I thought that was just a very sweet moment and a very true to form moment of what Congo is. And it's all about believing in yourself and stepping forward with that strong belief, taking initiative. He saw that in how and really, really appreciated it. The match is an absolute mauling, but it is a very, very good match. <laughs> in the buildup, and this is something very important as well, in the buildup to Diamond 2, Keno and Lide Entertainment settled their rivalry. Lide had since left Noah and Keno acknowledged their kindness to Noah during this time, 
going so far in a shoe pro column to call Suzuki a worthy opponent and a worthy rival for him, that he had fun fighting him. Lide bought a really nice flower stand for Keno at the event. So it just sort of has this image of, yes, you have this rebel, but, and he's fighting, you know, these presidents, but once the fight is over, they both take this bow that, you know, the fight is over and they respect each other. It's very interesting to see the way that Keno takes this dissonant character, this rebel character, and makes it very loudly a part of the show. The people he's fighting with are sort of beyond the fourth wall. They're your presidents of the company. They're your, you know, GMs. But he's fighting it still like it were a match. He's taking on Suzuki and Lide Entertainment as though he were fighting in the ring. It's very interesting to see, and this sort of chivalry between them really, really shows that off. On August 4th, on the first night of departure, Keno defeated Katsuko Nakajima to win the GHC National Championship. The following day, on the second night of departure, after Go Shiyazaki successfully defended the GHC Heavyweight Championship against Marafuji, Keno challenged Shiyazaki to a double title match for both belts. On August 10th, so five whole days later, Keno faced Go Shiyazaki in a 60-minute time limit draw to retain the GHC National, but ultimately was unable to win the main belt. On August 22nd, Tadasuke faced his former Rotel stablemate Daisuke Harada in a match. He loses by disqualification after Neo and Howe interfere, and right after, Tadasuke announced that he has joined the stable. We discussed this a lot in our previous episode on Rattels, so again, please check that out. A little over a week later, on August 30th, after Sugiura and Sakuraba defeated Axis, or Nakajima and Shiyazaki, for the tag team titles, Keno came out to challenge the new champions on behalf of Kitamiya and Soya. A few seconds later, Nakajima turned on his tag team partner disbanding Axis, shaking Keno's hand, and shockingly aligning himself with Congo. From September 18th to October 11th, five members of Congo took part in the 2020 N1 victory with Kitamiya and Soya wrestling in Block A and Inamura, Keno, and Naka in Block B. Keno entered the final day with a chance to reach the finals, but a loss against Takashi Sugiura eliminated him from the tournament. Of course it did. Of course Sugiura's it was. going to haunt him through his career with Noah. Isn't that great? Oh, yeah. It's, it's perfect. It makes me so happy. I was delighted when I saw that they were the last day. Uh, meanwhile, Nakajima won his block with a record of four wins and one loss advancing to the finals of the tournament after de- defeating Naomichi Marafuji. Another very important note. On October 11th, Nakashima defeated Kaito Kiyomiya in the finals to win the 2020 N1 victory and was set to face his former teammate Shiyazaki on November 22nd. On October 22nd, Keno, Nakajima, and Inamura were defeated by Kaito Kiyomiya, Shuhei Taniguchi, and Go Shiyazaki in a six-man tag team match. Afterwards, Inamura decided to leave Congo in order to join forces with Kaito Kiyomiya. A month later, on November 22nd, 
Keno defended his national title against Kaito Kiyomiya, and Nakajima was ultimately unsuccessful in challenging Shiyazaki for the GHC heavyweight title. On December 26, Congo produced its third event, Diamond 3, at Currican Hall. We're a long way from sh- uh, Shinkaba first ring. <laughs> Leading I love into this, this event. It's one of my favorites. I have fond memories of this. We watched this one together, actually. We did. We did. We watched it. It was uh, shortly after we had become really close friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, this is one of my favorite events. I could talk about it forever. But um, leading into this event, I do want to talk about this. On November 25th, Keno did an interview with PWDX where he explained that he put together the entirety of Diamond 3's card himself. And he discussed the mindset behind a lot of the matches. This to me is where you really begin to see Keno's leadership outside of simply allowing his members to have strong belief and outside his own goals of overturning the authorities in charge of Noah. In this show, he booked Tadasuke against Manabu Soya, stating that he wished to give Tadasuke a heavyweight match to test his mettle. He booked Neo versus Howe in hoping of sorting out some tension that he noticed between them as Howe had started to, and I quote, overtake Neo in the junior division. And he wanted to squash any resentment before it began with a singles match. This match was incredible. It was one of my favorite matches of the year. And I highly recommend that you watch it. It's just very brutal. Another match he booked was, and this is extremely important, a reunion between Masakita Miya and Nakajima as a proper tag team. Until this moment, they had only worked together in Congo in six mans. They had a rich history together as Dojo brothers and tag partners. And Keno even noted that in a recent interview, Masa had claimed to have still hated Nakajima. Still, Keno wanted to see what would come out of this match and if it could be the start of a revitalized tag team. So he put the two in a match against their own juniors, Yoshiki Inamura and Kinya Okada. Keno here is reading the needs of his members and building matches to nourish those bonds in Congo. This is a pivotal point in Congo becoming more than a simple rebel faction. Keno was in fact right on the money. And this tag match in particular did lead to Kitamiya and Nakajima reviving their tag team, The Aggression. And on March 7th, 2021, at Great Voyage in Yokohama, Congo's Aggression defeated Sakuraba and Sugiura to win the GHC Tag Team Championship. On March 21st, Keno lost the GHC National Championship to Kazuyuki Fujita ending his reign at 229 days and six successful title defenses. This is the most successful reign with the title to date and a highly acclaimed run with a lot of great matches, so do check it out. Upon returning from a two-week hiatus due to COVID-19, Keno made an appearance for DDT Pro Wrestling on May 4th. He apologized for the inconvenience he caused for the Cyberfight company, complete with a suit and a deep, respectful bow. Sanchez Takagi grew irritated, stating, raise your head, Keno, and delivered a stunner to him, citing that this wasn't the Keno that he was familiar with. I love this little exchange. It's so good. Keno had previously refused to participate in the upcoming 2021 Cyberfight Festival due to his protest with the collaboration between DDT and Noah. He actually saw it as a betrayal of Takagi saying that he would leave Noah alone. He had thought that Takagi had lied to him. 
So Takagi's attack on Keno prompted him back to his old ways, claiming that DDT was trash and had no one that could stand up to him and the rest of Congo. This is when Yukio Sakaguchi stepped into the ring and Keno was intrigued. <laughs> Finally, with the fire lit under him, unable to resist a older shoot style wrestler, they set up a match for June 6, 2021, between Congo and an elite group of DDT fighters. Congo ultimately lost this iconic match, but Keno's axe to grind with DDT and most importantly with Takagi was far from over. On May 31st, following a GHC tag title defense, Kitamiya turned on Nakajima, leaving Pongo due to his hatred of Nakajima that stemmed from their 10-year history dating back to Diamond Ring. So we had mentioned this hatred before. This was a sudden change, but it wasn't completely out of nowhere. This did, however, lead to Noah announcing a steel cage hair versus hair match on June 26th. In this match, dubbed Cage War, Nakajima would lose to Kitamiya, forcing Nakajima to shave his head as per the stipulation. Keno would complete the shaving of Nakajima's head, which marked a significant change in Nakajima's attitude towards the rest of Congo, becoming much more friendly and open to the rest of the unit. In an interview on September 10th, he stated that shaving his hair refreshed him and that, and I quote, his past ties had been liquidated, allowing him to start over from scratch. Despite their breakup, Nakajima and Kitamiya were recognized still as GHC tag team champions until on June 30th, where Nakajima and Kitamiya decided to face each other for the vacated belts, with Nakajima teaming with Soya and Kitamiya with Kaito Kiyomiya. On July 22nd, Nakajima and Soya were defeated by Kitamiya and Kaito for the vacant GAC Tag Team Championships. On July 11th, Tadasuke announced that a new member would be joining the stable. On July 23rd, this new member was introduced as Aleha, formerly known as Alejandro in Wrestle 1. Later that month, on July 27th, Congo took part in the Noah Jr. team game with Aleha, Hao, and Neo and Tadasuke defeating Los Paris de Mal de Japon in the semifinals and Noah Sekigun in the finals to win the tournament. A very surprising win as to this point, Congo Juniors had gained a reputation for being underdogs in just about any situation, very frequently getting losses or being the first defense for title reigns. The next day, Congo held its fourth produced show, Diamond Four. The concept of this show was Noah Sekigun versus Congo, consisting of six singles matches with mystery opponents from Noah's regular roster. The opponents were revealed the following day with Masa Kitamiya versus Keno in the main event. Ultimately, Congo won this series, three wins and one draw. I particularly love this show's main event and how it gives a solid final goodbye to Masa as a member and a founding member of this unit by having him face off against Keno. The two know each other so well and the ending of this match is extremely respectful, even though Masa left the unit in a rather violent way. 
This speaks very true to the Congo philosophy of change and impermanence, which Kenno speaks often of in his shoe pro column, believing that a unit is only as good as the change it brings to a promotion. So while the Congo juniors had a reputation for being lovable losers, the Congo heavyweights are generally quite successful. In September, Keno Nakajima and Soya wrestled in separate round robin blocks in the 2021 N1 victory. Soya did sadly finish last in his block, losing all of his qualifying matches. Meanwhile, Keno and Nakajima won their blocks and advanced to the semifinals of the tournament. On October 3rd, Keno and Nakajima won their semifinal matches, defeating Kaito Kiyomiya and Masakatsu Funaki, respectively. Later that night, Nakajima defeated Keno in the finals to win the 2021 N1 victory for the second consecutive year, earning a shot at the GHC Heavyweight Championship. On October 10th, Nakajima defeated Naomichi Marafuji to win the Heavyweight Championship for the second time. After, he called the unit into the ring to pose with him. This is really significant because previously, his position in the iconic Congo pose had been on the turnbuckle in the corner. Now, with the belt, he stood in the center of the ring with everyone, showing the bond that Congo had built over the past year. In an interview in December, Nakajima stated that it was the bond of Congo that gave him that extra encouragement and motivation that he needed to win the belt. On November 13th, Keno defeated Masaki Mochizuki to win the national title, meaning that Congo held both of Noah's singles heavyweight championships. Following the match, Keno challenged Nakajima to a double title on November 28th at Noah the Best. At the event, Keno faced Nakajima in another 60-minute time limit draw. On January 1st, 2022, at Noah the New Year, Keno successfully defended the national title against Kaito Kiyomiya, and in the main event, Nakajima's successful defense of the heavyweight title against Go Shiyazaki marked a clean sweep for Kongo, who stood tall in the Nippon Budokan together. On January 8th, as a part of an interpromotional rivalry between Noah and New Japan, Congo made their debut for New Japan Pro Wrestling, losing to Los Ingrinobles de Japón in the co-main event of the third night of Wrestle Kingdom 16. On January 16th, following a loss in a six-man tag team match, Hal began distancing himself from the other members of Congo. Later that night, Hal quit the stable and defected to the Noah Jr. Seikigun. Things really started to shift and change for Congo at this point, and not always for the better. On January 22nd, Keno lost the GHC National Championship to Masakatsu Funaki. Afterwards, Funaki asked Keno to join the stable, which he accepted, becoming Congo's newest member. He stated in an interview that he was inspired by Nakajima and Keno's 60-minute draw and that it awakened a strong belief of his own, which sparked his interest in working with the group. This yeah. decision <laughs> this decision has raised a lot of controversy, and Alicia's just been shaking her head this whole time. I know she has a lot of <laughs> a lot of heated opinions about this. Um, but one thing that does get brought up that I want to talk about is Funaki's age. 
to which Keno states in the February 16th issue of Shupro that Funaki is 52 in his age, but his spirit and ideals are youthful because they are in line with Congo's base goal of making Noah a more lively and interesting place. It's not always about age with Keno, and I need to drive that in because he's not just an old man hater. They're really working hard to justify Funaki ended up in Congo. I can appreciate that, I suppose, but <laughs> that is a stretch. It, it is, and it's very funny, but no, it, it does come down to um, Funaki just wanted to work with Nakajima and Keno. He just enjoys it, and um, they wanted to accommodate that. And to that end, you could almost say that this was a political decision in a lot of ways, Um that being said, I actually enjoy Funaki in the unit. It's very funny. They like to bully him. They like to pick on him a lot. Um, they call him their cute freshman, like their underclassman, which is very uh, charming given the fact that he is well beyond their age. On February 17th, Hajime Ohara decided to join the stable, taking Howe's place in the unit. Then tides really began to turn away from Congo when on February 23rd, Nakajima shockingly lost the GHC heavyweight championship to Kazuyuki Fujita, who later signed to the company. Two days later, Aleha, who had recently shown compassion towards Kai Fujimura, decided to turn on Tadasuke before becoming Congo's second member to defect to Noah Jr. Seikigun. Tadasuke took great opposition to losing two of his friends to the Noah Jr. Army. On April 8th, Tadasuke announced that Shuji Kondo would be the newest member of the stable. To date, he still feels rather disconnected from the rest of the core group, and the Japanese Wikipedia page does list him as a Kyoto, or a partner in a united front, a brother in arms, I guess you could say an associated member. I think this is a pretty fair description for Kondo as less of a full-fledged member and more as a comrade that shares a common ideology, particularly with Tadasuke. He's got some conflict of interest going anyway. He's he, a, does, he, does. he does. He's a voodoo murderer. He's got a lot of issues right now. He can't yeah. <laughs> be committed to one or the other, I guess. He did, however, bring pastries from his kiosk to the rest of Congo before the Budokan show on July 16th. So for this alone, I do count him as a provisional member and he's allowed to stay. <laughs> on April 29th at Majestic, Neo was beaten by Howe in a Lucha de Apuestas hair and name versus hair and name match. As a result, Neo was forced to shave his hair and revert to his previous ring name, Hiroki. However, Congo got their revenge on June 23rd when Tadasuke defeated Howe in a match where the loser would be forced to leave Noah. I still do not understand this decision, nor do I agree with it. However, I do want to talk about this. It's really interesting to think about how flexible a lot of the ideologies in Congo truly are. Keno as a leader is perfectly fine with people coming and leaving as they please. He hasn't really even talked about Shuji Kondo because Tadasuke can simply do whatever he wants. However, he only asks for his members to stir up things and follow their strong beliefs. Which really, when you think about it, is just playing exactly into Misawaism. You don't exactly. chase people when they leave. You let them come and go as they please. So it's really just a reflection of that freedom and faith. 
and he's actually quoted that ex- like exact words don't um welcome those who come and don't chase those who leave so he has quoted misawa at that point but yeah no to your point that's exactly how he is he only wants the faction to enliven noah so tadasuke is rather cruel and doesn't like when people leave but by bullying how like this as much as i hate it he is in fact causing trouble and following his strong belief thus he is still in line with congo despite not matching keno's own beliefs and i find that really interesting actually the japanese wikipedia said it as well that um it's easy to think of congo as a heel unit but you know, they only have maybe one, maybe two heel members if you want to stretch Nakajima's like antics into heel antics. Right. But, you know, it's it's very interesting that they can have some heel members, but at their core, they are just a rebel faction and they're not necessarily heels. And that leads me to, I'm going to bring up the Bullet Club example again, but think about like whoever's in charge of Bullet Club, if they want to do something and then someone doesn't agree, think of like the the discourse and the like the drama oh, yeah. that causes, right? Because oh, every you have time. to fall in line with the leader. There mm-hmm. are like little, you know, splinter groups and little things where people can kind of do their own thing. We know that Kenta does his own thing within New Japan for the most part. But if Kenta were to cross Jay, that would be a big problem. And you know that. Oh, yeah. Like everything you everything has to defer to the leader and the leader's beliefs. But within groups like Congo you do have the freedom to act on your own beliefs and it doesn't matter what Keno believes. And I think that is, like you said, just a very cool facet and very important to understanding the type of group that Congo is, but very easy to misunderstand if you're not putting in some of the work, I think, to dive into the faction a little bit. Oh yeah. And on their surface, it's easy to think, oh, they're falling in line with Keno because I mean their entrance is literally them falling in line. They're in with sync Keno. and all like, that. Like, it, it, like I understand how it, it it looks a certain way. Like they're all in red, so like there's certain things where like you can be like, oh, they have to do this, or Keno's going to get mad and kick them out. But that is such a very incorrect and simplistic oh, no. way of viewing Keno and in viewing Congo. When really this group has an incredible amount of of license on their ability to really carve their own paths forward through this company, but under this banner of Congo. Yeah, and that's what it is, is that he welcomes people into Congo who want to carve their own path and want to create their own way and don't want to fit into a mold and want to stand out and do their own thing. And that is part of my essay on why Nakajima isn't looking to betray Keno because (laughs) Nakajima's beliefs fall in line with that philosophy. He just wants to go and do his own thing. So on May 1st, 2022, Keno made his third and so far final appearance for DDT, demanding a singles match with Sanchiro Takagi for the 2022 Cyber Fight Festival to put an end to their grudge. However, Answering his call instead was Daisuke Sasaki. Keno eagerly took Sasaki's challenge, sparking a feud with him over their core beliefs in wrestling, leading to a truly phenomenal, hardcore, no-time-limit match on June 12, 2022. It is important to note Congo's role during this match, which I've spoken on before with our friends Gareth and Liam, but the unit is highly supportive of Keno, 
down to Funaki riding a bicycle down the ramp in offense on Keno's behalf and the unit steadying the ladder as Keno did his final PFS onto Sasaki. Keno later points out this bond in an interview stating that he could not have won without them, a far cry from the mere rebel faction that they once started as. They have become something of a brotherhood. Things are currently looking up for Congo as they have brought back the biggest title in the company. On July 16th at Destination, Keno defeated Satoshi Kojima to win the GHC Heavyweight Championship. In his last video before he challenged for the belt, he sat down to talk to the Congo members, minus Kondo and Funaki, although they did later call Funaki during the video. It's very funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's very entertaining. He was very concerned they were talking uh, behind his back, but they all talk about their respective matches on the 16th. They talk about their favorite YouTube videos that Keno has done, and they wish Keno well before he went to face his destiny. Currently, both heavyweight singles titles are back with the unit. With six title reigns and three and one victory wins between them, including two GHC heavyweight runs and three national runs, it's safe to say that Congo is one of the most successful factions in NOAA to date. It is just past its three-year anniversary with no sign of slowing down and has a record of four produced shows, a testament to its popularity. And I love them. (laughs) (laughs) And again, this show could have easily been just the three rebel factions of Noah. And there's still some merit, I think, to just covering those alone one day. I really do. And the thing is, is with Congo, it's going to continue to change because of that core philosophy and because of Keno's core belief. I do think that it could come to an abrupt end. Anything could happen because its core belief is causing problems and making things exciting. But I don't think that this is a unit where keeping it going for too long will get too stale or get too dominant. They have a record for being lovable losers. They have a record for being strong, dominant champions. They can really work any role. It just sort of depends on what the company needs them to fit into because they exist to make the company more exciting. So they're an interesting case in this idea that a unit can jump the shark if it goes on too long. And we will see if it gets to that point or uh, if my theory is right and it will just happen forever. And every single member of the NOAA roster, every single one, except Naomichi Marafuji will join this unit at some point or another. It's very critical that Marafuji never will, but everyone else can. No, that would be just outstanding. And Marafuji would tweet about that for the rest of his life. It'd be great. And this does include Sugiura, by the way. I'm not sure how it will happen, but Sugiura will join It'll happen the same exact way as the No Mercy Brave stuff. Keno will (laughs) get on a mic one day and he'll say, Sugiura, I want you to join Congo. And Sugiura will go, okay, and then just jump over. That's all. (laughs) And just leave Sugiura again in the dust. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. All right. So speaking of which, we're going to talk about our final two factions in this very long episode on Noah factions. We're going to talk about Sugiura Goon and then go into M's alliance. And these two factions are very, very different from Congo and really demonstrate a very different strategy for Noah factions booking in the modern era. So I'm excited to get into these with you, Rachel. We'll begin with Sugiragoon. And their story began with the Noah faction hooligans, 
which consisted of Kazuma Sakamoto, Cody Hall, Maybach Taniguchi, Yuji Hino, and Mitsuya Nagai. On February 24th, 2019, hooligans were made to disband after a 10-man elimination match against Takashi Sugira, Akatoshi Saito, Yoshihiki Inamura, Masao Inoue, and Kenya Okada. After this match, Kazuma wasn't done with Sugira, and he challenged him to a singles match, which Sugira agreed to. On March 10th at Great Voyage in Yokohama, Sugira defeated Kazuma. Sugira was joined by Kazuma and Osawa Rongai backstage, and they essentially wanted a fresh start with Sugira, who did not trust them immediately, rightfully so. The three of them begin to work together from there at any rate. Kazuma chips away at Sugira's resolve and starts to win him over. This led to Sugira and Kazuma tagging together during that year's Global Tag League, which began in April. On April 17th, Nosawa announced the official creation of their new stable, Sugira-gun, and Hideki Suzuki was announced as the newest member. Kazuma and Sugira advanced to the finals of the tournament, and Sugira pinned GHC heavyweight champion Kaito Kiyomiya, setting up a title shot for himself at a later date. They defeated reigning GHC heavyweight tag champions Axis, Go Shiyazaki, and Katsuhiko Nakajima to win the tournament. Sugira challenged Axis for their belts and Kaito for the GHC heavy after that match. On May 2nd, Sugira and Hajime Ohara had a singles match, which Sugira won. Ohara requested to join Sugira-kun, which was granted. He left the stable on May 10th, 2020, so about a year later. At the Mitsuhara Misawa Memorial on June 9th, Sugira unsuccessfully challenged Kaito Kiyomiya for the GHC Heavy, but he would not be down for long as he and Kazuma would defeat Axis for the GHC Heavyweight Tag Titles only four days later. They would go on to drop the titles back to Axis on June 27th. However, on June 28th, Nosawa would introduce Sugiragoon's newest member, Kazuchi Sakuraba of Pride fame, who would also wrestle for New Japan Pro Wrestling and UWFI. Sugira participated in the 2019 N1 victory that year and started feuding with Keno and Kongo. We just talked about this extensively, but this is the feud where Keno accused Sugira of being a company dog. And Sugira made his dog t-shirt, that very famous one now, in retaliation. Super inspired stuff. Just amazing. And Sugira won his block and advanced to the finals of the tournament where he was defeated by Keno, who went on to win the tournament that year. Also during the N1, El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. participated as part of NOAA's partnership with MLW. El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. is a masked luchador and the grandson and son of famous luchadors Dr. Wagner and Dr. Wagner Jr. respectively. During the tournament, Hijo joined Sugiragoon and became the faction's first Geico Kujin. On October 3rd, in addition to announcing Sugiragoon's first produce show on December 27th, another new member of the faction was introduced, Kazuyuki Fujita, also of pride and New Japan fame, amongst other MMA and professional wrestling organizations. On November 2nd, Sugira became the inaugural GHC national champion. We actually talked about this belt a little bit in episode 8 of Kickout on Noah's GHC Openweight Hardcore Championship, but the national title is meant to be an Openweight Championship exclusively defended within Japan. In the background of all this, Sugira-gun continued to feud with Kongo, and Masa Kitamiya began feuding with Sugira. He challenged for the GHC national. The Kongo Sugira-gun feud continued with a match between Fujita, Suzuki, and Sugira versus Kongo, which Sugira-gun won. And if you remember from a moment ago, Rachel referenced this, but Sugira called Kongo weak, which you know Keno just loved. Loved it. That leads to that match at the Sugira-gun produce show on December 27th, where the main event was supposed to be Hideki Suzuki and Kazuki Fujita versus Takashi Sugira and Kazushi Sakuraba. 
but then Congo interrupted, causing a no contest, and then they made that new main event, which ended up being between Sugira Suzuki and Fujita versus Ken Omasa and Inamura. And Sugira Gun, as Rachel mentioned, were the victors. At New Sunrise on January 4th, Sugira and Masa had their title match for the GT National and Sugira retained. But the very next day, Dick Togo was announced as Sugira Gun's newest member. Togo wound up making it to the finals of the 2020 Global Junior League, but lost to Daisuke Harada in the finals on January 30th. I highly recommend seeking out match this so match. Good. If you have not seen it yet, it is truly excellent. I believe it is on YouTube. Between March 22nd and March 26th, Hideki Zakin and Rene Dupre joined Sugira Goon. Zakin is an MMA fighter who has fought for Deep, Ryzen, and won. Rene Dupre is a Canadian professional wrestler and the son of wrestler and promoter Emile Dupre. In April, two Sugira Goon teams took part in the 2020 Global League, Sugira and Zakin, and Dupre and Wagner Jr. Dupre and Wagner Jr. began calling themselves Sugira Goon International. Both teams did well. Sagira and Sakin finished second in B block and Wagner Jr. and Dupre won A block. Sagira Goon International defeated Axis in the finals in order to take on the champions Marafuji and Masaki Mochizuki. On April 19th, Wagner Jr. and Dupre defeated Marafuji and Mochizuki to become JG Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. But it's important to note this tournament took place during the earliest days of the COVID-19 pandemic, and they were unable to be in Japan for NOAA shows. So eventually they were forced to vacate the belt with zero defenses on August 10th. On April 18th, Junior Heavyweight Seiki Yoshioka, formerly of Wrestle 1, was revealed as a member of Sugira Good. And NOAA continues on through the COVID era. On May 3rd, Nosawa announces that people like Dick Togo, Hideki Sakin, and Kazuma Sakamoto are no longer a part of Sugira Goon. Fujita was apparently not included in this because Nosawa couldn't get in contact with him, so he missed being uh, dismissed from Sugira Goon due to COVID stuff. At that same show, Sugira lost the GHC National to Katsuhiko Nakajima. On May 4th, Atsushi Kotoge asked if he could join Sugira Goon, and Nosawa said absolutely not. This caused some friction with Yoshioka, who wound up turning on Nosawa. Yoshioka leaves Sugira Goon to join up with Kotoge, and they go on to form a group called Full Throttle. At this show, Nosawa starts talking about Kendo Kashin, best known for his time in New Japan, but also All Japan and Pride, and he ends up being the one that joins Sugira Goon next. Sugira was pretty tired of Nosawa bringing in all these wrestlers into his stable without his permission at this point. And who could blame him? But Nosawa brought Kashin and Kaz Kayashi, best known for his work in All Japan and Wrestle 1, into the stable on June 10th, regardless of how uh, Sugira was feeling about that. I had a meme on my phone that's like, I don't know who's in Sugira Goon at this point, and I'm too afraid to ask. And <laughs> quite frankly, I feel like Sugira felt the same way. Yeah, all the backstages were really funny, though. They were. By August, with the GHD heavy belts being returned, Sugira Kun quickly capitalized, and Kazushi Sakuraba and Sugira defeated Axis on August 30th in a match to crown new champions. That is the show, as we mentioned before, where Nakajima betrayed Shiyazaki and ended Axis. Throughout the next few months, Sakuraba and Sugira took part in the 2020 N1. Both failed to make the finals of their blocks. They also defended their tag belts against Congo members Masakitamiya and Manabu Soya on October 28th. On November 8th, Noah announced the card for Sugira's 20th anniversary show, All Dogs Gather 2, which was to take place at Korokan Hall on December 29th. MMA fighter Daisuke Nakamura was announced as a new member of Sugira Goon, and they began teasing a mystery new member to be revealed closer to the Annie show. That new member would turn out to be Kazunori Murakami. 
known for his work in places like New Japan, Big Mouth Loud, and Zero One Max, who debuted for the group on December 27th. Kaz Hayashi left the stable by December 30th of that year. Sugira and Sakuraba made two more defenses of their titles against M's Alliance, Marafuji and Masakatsu Funaki, and Kaito Kimiya and Yoshiki Inamura, respectively, before the end of 2020. They won Tokyo Sports Best Tag Team Award for that year as well. And they were the most entertaining, just incredible tag team together. Some of the vignettes and stuff that they did for like YouTube were just absolutely hilarious. So if you're finding yourself parsing through YouTube one day, just check out some of the stuff between Sakuraba and uh, Sugi because it's really worth it. This stable is so massive that it's easy to forget Hideki Suzuki. He signed with WWE and left to become a coach and perform over in Florida in January 2021. So that effectively ended his time in Sugiragoon, at least for now. On March 7th, Sugira and Sakuraba lost their titles to The Aggression, Katsuhiko Nakajima, and Masa Kirimiya. On March 21st, 2021, Fujita defeated reigning GHG national champion Keno and brought the national title back to Sugira-gun. But Sugira immediately challenged Fujita, and the two had a damn good match for this belt on April 29th. Look this up in Wrestle Universe. It is worth it. Sugira defeated Fujita to begin his second reign as GHG national champion. Kazushi Sakuraba challenged Sugira right after because I swear to God, there was this period in Noah for a while where I think that if you were just standing in Nosawa's like line of sight backstage and you, he just happened to catch you there, he would make you the challenger. So Sakuraba goes out and, and says, I'm going to challenge you. And Sugira says, okay, but only if Saku defeated him in a game of rock, paper, scissors. Sakuraba prevailed. So he got his, his title shot, but Sugira defeated him on May 31st. I love them. <laughs> They're so good. They're so amazing. A constant Monzai routine. It's so constant. good. Constant. It's, it's incredible. On August 15th, Gira defeated M's Alliance challenger, Masato Tanaka, also Pro Wrestling Zero One's World Heavyweight Champion, to retain the national title and gain Tanaka's. Sugira so would end up losing the GHC national to Tanaka's stablemate, Mochizuki, on October 28th. At Sugira's produce show, All Dogs Gather, on December 27th, Kenta interrupted Sugira's post-match speech to join him in the ring. At the end of November, Kenta had been announced as returning to Noah to take part in their Budokan show on New Year's Day. He was set to join Sugira and Sakuraba in a tag match against Masakinamiya, Yoshiki Inamura, and Daiki Inaba. Kenta made a very big deal about wearing the Sugira-gun shirt. <laughs> Sugira-gun plus Kenta did pick up the win at the Budokan. And with the exception of Sakuraba being present, it was like a little bit of a no mercy reunion, which is really lovely. It was so cute. Kenta was meant to join Sugira and Sakuraba for a tag match at Noah's joint show with New Japan later in the week. But Kenta sustained multiple injuries during his match with Hiroshi Tanahashi during Wrestle Kingdom and was replaced by Toru Yano. On February 23rd, Hideki Suzuki announced his return to Noah via a pre-taped video and his intentions to join the tournament for new GHG Heavyweight Tag Champions. That same night, Fujita defeated reigning GHG Heavyweight Champion Katsuhiko Nakajima to claim the championship for the first time in his career. On March 13th, Sugira and the returning Hideki Suzuki won the tag <laughs> tournament and became GHG Heavyweight Tag Champions. They would have one defense against Kongo, which is a great match, Nakajima and Kano, who are ultimately losing after 52 days on May 4th to the returning Wagner Jr., 
Never Day Dupree, now able to travel to Japan for shows. I do love um, Hideki Suzuki's video on him returning to Sugiragoon when he announced in front of a FedEx store that um, he had been fired and had no choice but to come back and unfortunately go back to Sugiragoon, which is the tone for it's this the unit. tone of the faction. It is. It is. It's incredible. Like down to him standing in front of the FedEx. That is Sugiragoon in a nutshell. It's it's absolutely it outstanding. Yeah, it's it's kind of incredible. And it's yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the end of the history and then we'll just sort yeah, of and then we'll and then we'll kind of we'll, we'll unpack that. Yeah, hold on. So <laughs> On April 27th, Fujita was forced to return the GHG Heavyweight Championship to NOAA after testing positive for COVID-19. And then American wrestler Timothy Thatcher is the newest member of Sugira Goon, having debuted June 7th, 2022. Deki Suzuki and Timothy Thatcher have gone on to win the GHG Heavy Tag Belts at the Budokan on July 16th in a match against Masakidemiya and Yoshihiki Inamura. So this faction's a bit of a clown show. And I mean that in like a really affectionate way, like truly just a little car where old shooters just keep coming out of it. This is the old shooters haven within Noah. There's definitely that running theme throughout it, which is really, really interesting. And you get like, it's, it's so interesting that like, because you have Funaki who goes to M's Alliance and he goes there because his name starts with an M. But like, He's not in Sugiragoon. He was over there with Marafuji. But otherwise, this is like the old shooter's haven. And the tone is like this really, like, the banter is like oh, this yeah. very specific type of comedy that is so Sugira in like every, it's so amazing that they were able to choose this amount of people who all reflect like the same type of comedy and sort of pro wrestling outlook that Sugira has, especially at this stage in his career. It's really fascinating to me. Yeah, it is. And it's really charming in a lot of ways. I think a lot about the 20th anniversary, All Dogs Gather, with the whole stable rushing to the ropes to hold the ropes open for Sugira as he entered. And that's that's just sort of the tone of the unit, that they, they like each other, they're chums. I think that's the best way to describe it, is that they're uh, not quite comrades, not quite, you know, like- No, because they don't really trust they're each chums. other. Yeah, yeah, no. They don't trust <laughs> each other. And they'll kind of turn on each other a little bit or at least throw each other under the bus. Like, but there oh, is a always. sense of, of camaraderie that still runs through the group. And of course, it, everything is about their respect and their admiration. I think that is the key word, their admiration for Sugira. It's interesting because Sugira, from his start in Noah, he is not Noah born. He started in All Japan. He started in the All Japan Dojo. He just didn't debut for All Japan. He debuted for Noah, but he's not considered Noah born. But he's older than all of them by by quite a bit. Really, the next person closest to him in age going down might be Kotaro. But there's still significant age gaps. But they all talk about, and like they've all, like he's he's been an enemy of all of them at different stages of their oh, careers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's such a rival to to pretty much all of them, but especially like Shio and Marafuji, whatever. But like there is this respect 
that has always been present in all of their relationships with him. They have always really looked up to him, but you can see that in the way that his faction treats him. Everything revolves around, like, there's this banter, they, they mess with each other, they'll throw each other under the bus, but it still comes down to they are there because they respect Sugira and they follow Sugira. So in that way, they're almost more of what people perceive Congo to be, is that they're following Sugira's lead and they're there for Sugira, but Sugira's just a really, really laid back, funny guy. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's honestly the better way to put it. And Sugira absolutely keeps to those core tenets of Misawaism very closely. So in that way, Sugira Goon is always aligned but do do i think that the the different members of sagira goon would i say that they're necessarily like there for noah no i think they're there for their man they're there for sugira which is a very interesting outlook to have when you compare them to like the rest of the factions that we have in contemporary noah oh for sure yeah it is. And it is very interesting to compare them to um, Congo as like natural enemies of each other mm-hmm. in that way. So now we'll get into um, what had been like my favorite modern Noah faction until Marafuji ruined it. We'll talk about M's Alliance. <laughs> Actually, was it, it's not even- Was it Marafuji or was it Funaki? <laughs> it was Funaki. I'm so upset. So anyway, let's, let's just get into it. So- <laughs> All right. <laughs> starting in January, 2020, Saki Mochizuki of Dragon Gate had been tagging with Namichi Marafuji, and they won the GHD Heavyweight titles on January 5th, 2020. Their first match together, defeating Axis, Goshiyazaki, and Katsuhiko Nakajima. They held the titles for 105 days and had one successful defense before dropping them to the 2020 Global Tag League winners, which I mentioned before, was El Hodel, Dr. Wagner Jr., and Rene Dupre of Sukira Goon International. So... That's also like really consistent with Marafuji's entire career in Noah, but different ep- different episode for a different day. In 2020, Keiji Muto began fairly regularly coming in for Noah cards. And on April 19th, Marafuji and Mochizuki began teaming with him. Fast forward to June 20th, Marafuji officially announced the creation of a new stable, M's Alliance, between him, Muto, and Mochizuki. This leads me to the explanation of the faction's name and also a reminder of the correct way it is stylized. I'm going to get on my soapbox about this. We don't capitalize the A at the start of Alliance. And that directive comes from Marafuji himself. The reason being, Marafuji's last name begins with an M. And those connected to the faction have surnames or given names that begin with M's. So the M is meant to be the important highlighted letter that sort of bonds everybody together. Everyone gets this wrong. Even the Puro wikis have this wrong. And it drives me nuts because Marafuji has corrected people on his social media before. And the logo has the lowercase a. It's very clear. You can see it. On June 22nd, Yuko Miyamoto of 666 and BJW joined M's Alliance. After they defeated Sugira Goon, Takashi Sugira, Kendo Kashin, Kazushi Sakuraba, and Nosawa Rangai, the four members of M's Alliance stood side by side and joined their fingers together to create M's, which would become their signature pose together. From there, Marafuji would set his sights on the GHD Heavyweight Championship held by Shiyazaki, and Muto would begin feuding with Kaito Kiyomiya. On July 18th, Marafuji pinned Shio in a tag match between him and Muto and Shio and Kiyomiya. This set up a title shot for Marafuji on August 5th at Korokan Hall, where Shio defeated him. 
On August 10th, Muto and Kiyomiya would clash in a dream match opportunity, and Muto would prove the victor here, setting up the start of a long, and I mean long, program for Kaito as he sought to defeat the legend one-on-one. And I will also say as well, because again, a little bit of soapboxing here, if you haven't gone back to watch that match in a while, please go back and watch the match between Mara Fuji and Shiazaki during Shiazaki's fourth GHD heavy reign. It is actually very important to the story Shiazaki was telling during that reign. So highly recommend. On August 30th, Masakatsu Funaki would become the next member to join M's Alliance. After Shio successfully defended his title against perennial rival Takashi Sugira on December 6, 2020, Keiji Muto emerged from the back and challenged Shiazaki for the GHC heavy. The match would take place on February 12, 2021 at Noah's Destination event, their first show in the Nippon Budokan since Kenta Kobashi's final burning retirement show in 2013. But before we get to the Budokan, on January 4, 2021 at Noah's New Sunrise event, Masato Tanaka joined M's alliance in a losing effort with Muto and Marafuji against Shiazaki's team. At destination, Shiazaki and Muto would meet in the main event and Muto defeated Shiazaki to become GHD heavyweight champion becoming the third man after Kensuke Sasaki and Yoshihiro Takayama to win the three major heavyweight Purasu titles. This match would go on to win Tokyo Sports Match of the Year, becoming the first NOAA match in many years to win this award. The amount of years I kept seeing was 10 years, so that's 2011, which would mean they count the altogether match of Kobashi and Muto versus Toru Yano and Takashi Izuka as the last time NOAA won a match of the year. But I had to go back to 2007 to find a match that actually took place in NOAA mm. and where all the participants were NOAA wrestlers. And that was Kenta Kobashi and Yoshihiro Takayama versus Mitsuharu Misawa and Jun Akiyama. And that I talked about before, that's Kobashi's comeback match after taking time off to fight cancer. And mind you, Takayama was freelancing by 2007. So take that for what you will. But I had to go back way further than 10 years to find a pure Noah match of the year Tospo winner. Really says something, really, really does. Muto successfully defended the GHD heavy against Kaito on March 14th and then against Masa Kitamiya on April 29th. After the Kidaniya match, Marafuji issued his own challenge, and their match was booked for the first Cyberfight Festival on June 6, 2021. In the main event of Cyberfight Festival, Marafuji defeated Muto to become a four-time GHC heavyweight champion. We discussed in episode two of Kickout, I Am Noah, the significance of this win for Marafuji. Please check out that episode if you haven't listened to it yet. On August 5th, Tanaka, who held the 0-1 World Heavyweight Championship at the time, Challenges former Dongan Yankees partner, Takashi Sugira, for his GHC National Championship, putting both titles on the line. On August 15th at Kawasaki Go, the two met and Takashi Sugira defeated Tanaka to retain his national belt and become 0-1 World Heavyweight Champion. Marafuji defended his GHC Heavyweight title against Takashi Sugira on July 11th and against Kazushi Sakuraba on August 1st. It was announced after the Sakuraba match that Marafuji would not participate in that year's N1. He would take the time during the tournament to train and focus on improving his long-term arm injury. Muto, Funaki, Tanaka, and Mochizuki all participated, with Funaki going to the semifinals against eventual N1 winner Katsuhiko Nakajima. Nakajima's win, his second N1 victory in two years, would set up a title match between him and Marafuji for October 10th. After a few days of build that would see Nakajima talking about how Marafuji winning the GHD Heavy gave it meaning, and Marafuji reverting to the mean senior gimmick and claiming he could beat Nakajima easily, Nakajima defeated Marafuji to become GHC Heavyweight Champion. And there will be a future episode where we talk extensively about the build to that match and what it meant for both of them, but it is very, very important to that time period and to both of them. 
Mochizuki defeated Takashi Sugira for the GHC National on October 28th, but lost his title 16 days later to Keno on November 13th. That same night, Moto and Marafuji would defeat Kaito and Masa for the GHC heavy tag titles, making Marafuji an eight-time heavyweight tag champion. It would be Muto's first reign as a GHC heavy tag champion. At Noah's second Budokan show on January 1st, 2022, Ems and Lions squared off against each other for the GHC heavyweight tag championships, Marafuji and Muto versus Tanaka and Mochizuki. Mochizuki and Tanaka challenged in December, Marafuji and Muto asked Jirina Matsui to give her blessing for the match to go forward, which she did. The champions retained at the Budokan earlier that day, Tanaka faced Sugira for the 0-1 World Heavyweight Championship in Quarken, but was defeated by Sugira. On January 22nd, Funaki defeated Keno for the GHC National. Soon after, Funaki announced he was leaving M's Alliance to join Congo. <laughs> <laughs> he had a few reasons for this, I suppose. The presence of Keno and Nakajima in Congo really motivated him to make that change in factions. I have a quote here from him. It says, seeing that these two are in the top five of the pro wrestling world currently, I don't know if I can do this from 10 or 20 years from now. So I want to do what I can. I also want to change my environment. There are other people who I want to fight. So I think it's best to join Congo. So the members of M's Alliance were among the first people he wanted to fight, but I've always felt the reasoning for this was incredibly silly because M's Alliance had just fought each other at the Budokan and his new Congo teammates had fought each other to a draw in November. So no one needed to change factions to fight each other, Funaki. <laughs> Silliness. Oh. Ugh, drives me nuts. Anyway. I need to I need it to go on record that I cannot talk about Funaki or anything he does in this unit without Alicia getting mad at him (laughs) not at me for talking about it at him specifically like she has to go I'm still mad at him but that's pretty cute (laughs) she has not forgiven this man no I've been mad at him literally since February it's fine I'm still mad at Masa Takanashi for taking Mao's belt. It happens. We all have our, our things here. All of our grudges. So on February 8th, Mudo and Marafuji announced they were vacating the heavyweight. This was a very, February was hard for me. Yeah, this is a rough period. On February 8th, Mudo and Marafuji announced they were vacating the heavyweight tag titles because Mudo injured, I believe it was his left hip joint. He didn't feel surgery was a likely option for him, but he needed time to heal, which was like the most Mudo statement ever. And then with Mudo facing a long-term injury... And with Miyamoto and then Jirina Matsui, who was not a wrestler, she just appeared as sort of like a valet, like a manager, so to speak. She wasn't making any long-term appearances in Noah either. Marafuji announced on March 14th that M's Alliance would be put on hiatus, which was shocking as shit. Tatanika and Mochizuki backstage, I'll never forget that backstage because they were literally floored by this information. And it was really shocking to me because despite the hiatus that was announced, Marafuji was still working with both of them in the immediate aftermath of that announcement that they didn't stop that, like they didn't, not ballet, they didn't stop, uh, what's the term, uh, cornering each other. They still attended each other's matches and such. I forget who had a title match like right after this. It might've been Mochizuki. Marafuji was his cornerman, yeah. but they weren't, but M's Alliance was done. So yeah. that was so confusing to me. And um and a little bit frustrating because it just felt like it felt like Marafuji got a new costume 
And yeah. his, the new costume colors didn't match the Ems Alliance colors. So he's like, well, we're just going to end the fashion. That's, that's what it was, though. That's what it was. He wanted a new costume and he didn't want it to be gold and black. <laughs> so he didn't want it to be Ems Alliance. That's it. Because they still tag together. They even still say Ems Alliance in the little corner when they say their names. Like, that's written next to them. And this is classic Noah, though. From, like, what we were just talking about with, like, the mm-hmm. ANMU, like, like yeah. Brave and- um, even yeah. like sternness era of stuff like things like that this like change suddenly like verbally like they'll say like okay like we're doing this now but the graphics will say one thing and like it's yeah. just it's so weird how like how they do things with the phasing out of faction sometimes but I think it's possible that they're not even quite sure what they want to do with I think the direction of them's alliance yeah. right now which is why we're in like a weird like holding pattern right now Tanaka and Mochizuki are going to be members of M's Alliance long after Marafuji has made an entire new gang and Shiazaki will be a member of ANMU for the rest of his life. Like yeah. that's just Hopefully. how it's fingers be. crossed. Yeah. Oh yeah. So the end of M's Alliance, as we know it for right now at least, is definitely a bit muddled and confusing. But at its peak, it really represented the health of the company, right? And Mara yeah. Fuji's role as a representative of Noah in the industry writ large, because he was able to attract big names like Keiji Muto to the promotion and Masakatsu Funaki. And it really was, um, M's Alliance really was a representation of what Mara Fuji represents to the industry. Yeah, he had built these bonds with these, you know, most of them are aging aces from other companies. They're representatives of other companies, but they're also sort of the faces. Like these are big, you know, names in these companies. And um, they had joined for Mara Fuji in a lot of the same way where, yes, all these old shooters had joined specifically for Sugiura, but it's different because of what Marufuji means to Noah and what he represents to Noah. So when they're coming to Marufuji, it's as though representing this olive branch and these relationships that these companies had formed with Noah over this time. So this is, it's a really significant and wonderful thing that M's Alliance was and hopefully maybe again can be, we just don't know. It's, it's so in flux right now it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but really like when things were kind of at its peak which I guess yeah. the peak would have probably been Mara Fuji being champion, champion yeah you know that seemed like there was a whole lot of possibility and, and he talked about it he had uh, ideas for having way more members than just who ended up joining right oh, yeah. so it's very interesting that the way this is all kind of ended up but the way that they compare and contrast to Sugura Goon is interesting because like you've just alluded to Sugura Goon is really just about it's about Sugura it's about one figure whereas their M's alliance is not it's not really about Mara Fuji because nothing Mara Fuji does is actually about himself no. it's about Noah it's about the betterment of Noah and Noah's positioning in the industry so that's where you have that interesting compare and contrast between those two major back perfectly said and And that's that on that (laughs) and that's that on everything that we have for you today I know uh you've sat through a lot but I hope you learned a lot and had a lot of fun because I definitely did and uh yeah there's a lot to think about especially for how long a lot of these factions last and how strange some of the endings of these factions tend to be But uh, when going into the history of Noah, it's definitely something to keep in mind. And uh, hopefully we gave you some stuff to dig back into and to watch.
Thank you all so much for listening to and supporting Kickout. As always, we're just so grateful for you and just eternally grateful for your really kind feedback and comments. Please don't forget to subscribe or follow us on your platform of choice so that you get our episodes first when they drop. And like always, subscribing to us and giving us a five-star review or rating on your preferred platform really does help us as we're growing Kickout and also talking Triple Crown. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at kickout299. You can find me, Rachel, at Milky Star. That's M-I-I-K-Y star. And you can find Alicia at Shiranui Kai with two eyes. Don't forget, we do have a blog. You can check out lots of cool articles and reviews and different things over there at kickout299.wordpress.com. We also have a Gmail, kickoutat299 at gmail.com. You can submit questions and feedback there. And if you have an interest in submitting a pitch for the blog or podcast, please do so there as well. We've got some really exciting future episodes coming your way. On August 16th, we have an episode with our friend Jack on Misawa and Kobashi's rivalry. And on September 13th, we are continuing our faction series with a very special episode on Dragon Gate with Zavi and Zaki. And on September 27th, we're doing a deep dive on Suwama. As always, make sure you follow our Twitter to see what else we have planned for upcoming episodes and projects. Thank you all so much, and we will talk to you soon.